Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back. Mm-hmm. Obst Fan Wrestling Podcast. The 30th anniversary of yeah. the theatrical release of the Hulk Hogan Vince McMahon vehicle No Holds Barred. And it's always a special treat, boss, when we can deep dive a feature yes. film. Oh, yeah. Even more pretend than usual. That's right. Um, one thing we forgot to do on part one. Oh, yeah. The death is, toll. Uh, the death toll. Ooh, you thought we forgot. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> we've got five, five motherfuckers. Wow. Um, number one, Bill Henderson, who plays Charlie uh, Hulk Hogan's manager. Wow. So we're going to go even beyond wrestlers. Oh, yeah. yeah of course. Oh, yeah. We're getting, I, I did, well, I did the best I could. I mean, there, there's certainly a lot of players who don't have much information out there. Um, Joss LaDuke, who played the Joe big Ledoux. head banger. Joe LaDuke. Joe LaDuke. Yep. That, uh, is, it, is the S silent or is the S a typo on IMDb? The S is silent. French Canadian right. and uh, top heel throughout Canada through the 70s. Joe LaDue, yep. as well as uh, several American territories as well. Yep. Uh, our good our good pal, uh, Jeep Swenson, who plays uh, Lug Wrench Perkins. Yeah, and that's, um, man, was that an on-brand death as yeah. it regards professional wrestling. Yes, it was. <laughs> Referee Joey Morella and Mean Gene. Oakland. Oh, rest in peace very much. So so you mean to tell me that there's two people from that clusterfuck Hulk Hogan uncensored cage match in this movie? Um <laughs> Yes. Yes. Yeah, Jeep Svensson plays uh Lug Wrench Perkins. I think he's one of the guys they pick out in the um in uh in building the up Zeus. There. Building up Zeus and towards yeah. the end, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, beast, yeah uh, Zeus right. beats him pillar to post in that the, uh, industrial the, setting. The the Third Reich himself, Jeep oh, Swenson. Come on, ref. The ultimate solution. Yeah. The Third Wrong is more like it. Yes, I'll say. <laughs> and Z Gangster himself. And Z Gangster himself. Who says of his WCW Uncensored appearance in 1995, <laughs> shit, you're going to pay me 30 grand to get head over the head with a frying pan? I'll be there. Well, hey, glad your morals are that low. Z Gangster, sir. ladies and gentlemen. Z Gangster. So, of course, uh, if if it's of interest to you, the, the version that we're watching is the Hulu version. Uh, yes. No oh, that's Bar. a good point. Yep. Yes. And, it uh, is uh, on, on the Hulu. Um, commercial free, too. I guess the movies are commercial free. Um, that's, that's not bad. Nice surprise. Well, you, there are ad-free packages you can buy and ad packages well, you can buy. 
I'm 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 not. I don't. I'm not. I'm not giving them more of my money. I'll take two commercials. Oh sure. In the TV shows, but I was um, going to ask you about that because I'm just yeah. starting my trial, so I'm not sure oh, yeah. how many commercials you do get for the ad version. You usually get two or three. Sure. So I mean, it's well, it's it's well under the normal limit. What do you usually get? Like four minutes worth of commercials, and here you get like two, two to three. Mm-hmm. 30 second mm-hmm. maybe one one minute commercial yep yeah it's so funny it's usually pretty everything goes crazy everything that was unbundled is just going to get bundled again everything yes. that was oh, yeah. disaggregated is just going to get aggregated again much like ad supported television and ad supported entertainment which is yep. the only fucking way to make it work yes now that you can buy a song for 25 cents and have it in 40 seconds Yes. Um, so oh, 40 seconds. I want it now. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck's that delay? You actually make a great point there. I should have said half of one second. <laughs> Including this fucking cast, which you can right. snap your fingers and get six hours of audio blasted up your sphincter with no wait time at all from essentially anywhere. But, I mean, you know, it's so hilarious. Now, all these streaming services, it, we went from ad-supported television over the top to yep. uh, DVR TiVo, which allowed you to fast-forward through the commercials, which created a conundrum for advertisers. That's right. As well as on-demand, which created a conundrum for advertisers, because people wouldn't be watching live to take in the ads. And then slowly but surely, we went to entire over, uh, over-the-top streaming services with absolutely no intermediation mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. the traditional cable infrastructure that pass those advertisements to you and now we're just going directly in reverse uh roku and all the streaming services are now selling advertising against their programming youtube of course um entered the scene as a way to basically watch video as uh with as much of a libertarian ideal as you used to be able to listen and download music from napster and then slowly but surely that and now we're right back where we were um Totally. To, you know what I mean? To where is it just like HBO? You used to pay for HBO in Except, part because there were no yeah, ads, right? Exactly, exactly. And now that's a premium package on any number that's of right. these streaming services. That's right. We're back. It's the same exact thing. Yep. Everyone thinks. Everyone thinks. Everyone thinks that they're fucking co- cutting the cord. Yeah, give me you a know, break. I, I love hearing that. I love Price hearing, it out, brother. You know, I just Price it out. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Man. I'm not doing. I'm not doing cable and shit yeah. like that. I'm just like, yeah. Guess what? You're right now. I. You're absolutely right. You're probably getting things cheaper by subscribing to their right. online platforms. But once, and it'll happen, I'm sure it'll happen at some point. Once cables are like gone, watch them jack those fucking prices up, man, when they have the absolute power. Absolutely. It's going to happen. You pay your it's price and you get what they feel like giving you. Everybody as, has a price, and you will be paying that price. I'm doing handstands on my roof to get my uh, HD antenna to work. I'm winning. With my savings compared to cable, I can afford one or two extra trips a month to Applebee's. Um, <laughs> aren't we all fucking winning here in, in the, in the U.S. Get those fucking $5 apps, bitch. <laughs> Might as well get a $5 footlong while you're at it. In that ass. So I mentioned that we're watching the Hulu version because it's clearly the WWE re-release DVD because it's got the ah. WWE Studios logo at the very beginning. Does no, it not? always had that. Excuse me? Always had that. What about the Shane Productions logo? What did that look I like? I don't know what that is. Do you know who that is? I don't know who Shane is. I'm not aware of this conundrum that you're putting yourself in. Well, why did you give him a shout out on Father's Day on Twitter? Um, I don't. I don't control my own Twitter. I have a four secretaries that do their tweeting. Would one of them be Emily Feinberg? I'll tell you right now, I do their twatting (laughs) with my genetic beast. Should have known that was coming. Is one of the secretaries Emily Feinberg? 
Perhaps. Is one of the I don't sec- really keep track of names. It's one of the secretaries, Anita Scales. I know that there was a Rita in there somewhere. <laughs> and finally, is one of the secretaries, Rita Chatterton. Now it can be told, Vince. Come on. Oh, I put my hand over her mouth so she doesn't chatter a ton at all. At least she didn't put your hand over your heart and take the oath, right? No, I put my hand on something else. So we open with that metallic-looking WWE Studios logo, which is against complete silence, which is very uncharacteristic of WWE production. Trying to be classy. (laughs) And uh, the first thing we see in No Holds Barred is indeed Mean Gene Okerlund and Jesse Ventura. Uh, No, it's not, actually. What? You're wrong. The, the, um, The first thing that we see, we hear, we hear. Oh, good point. Uh, 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 um, uh, Gene and Jesse. But the first thing we actually see is Hulk Hogan's face as he rips through the curtain or the door or whatever it is in slow motion. We get right to the point, don't we? Yeah. <clears throat> we build up but, to this entrance. Yes. I mean, um, you know, we're not here. We're not here to 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 fucking watch Vern Gagne yes. do a drop kick. Okay, we're here for Hulk Hogan and everything that matters. But while we're on this, mm-hmm. um. We do start, like I said, we got the credits, R- RLJ Entertainment and Image Emer- Entertainment, and the WWE Studios presents Hulk Hogan in No Holds Barred. And we start with a bang as Gene criticizes Jesse Ventura's outfit all th- over, yes. you know, off screen. Yes. And, over um, the titles, just voice. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And uh, we don't, like I said, we don't see any of this, only hear the commentary. Mm-hmm. And he says uh, 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 that he's seen some outlandish outfits before, but. This one takes the cake. Jesse goes, mean Gene, how dare you criticize how I dress? I dress for the occasion, and this is a stupendous occasion, and I am, of course, dressed stupendously. Jesse Ventura, I've seen some outlandish outfits before, but this one takes the cake. Mean Gene, how dare you criticize how I dress? I dress for the occasion, and this is a stupendous occasion, and I'm dressed, of course, stupendously. Oh my! And I sit there thinking to myself, "What the fuck does this have to do with the movie?" <laughs> it has to do with Jesse trying to get himself over on a Hulk Hogan vehicle. It I has mean, to do with I this guess. the same Jesse that uh, took a, probably six extra minutes than expected at WrestleMania Five to pose for Trump Plaza and get adoration and try to build a program between him and self, uh, himself and Hogan on commentary when there was positively no uh, plans in that direction. It's Jesse going into business. It's weird because it's a film. You know, you would think the cutting room floor would have space for this, and I may very well be misreading it, but that's what jumped to mind for me. And I wonder how ironic it would be if they put Jesse and Gene on a movie set and had them ad-lib, because it doesn't seem like written verbiage exactly, especially no, Jesse. No, I mean, it, well, I'll tell you, it does sound a little forced by mm-hmm. Gene. Sure. Perhaps mean Jesse was delivery is, is pretty forced, and I, I do wonder... If if Vince like said, well, just you know, just here, feed him these lines and then let Jesse go to town. I just wouldn't put like it past it. Vince McMahon to think think it appropriate to ad lib on a movie set and then script wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um as opposed to the other no, way around. You know. Yeah. Well fuck off. Considering the nature of the fight scenes, if you can call them that in this movie. <coughs> When you were saying Hulk Hogan in No Holds Barred, I was thinking, shit, I watched this whole movie. You could just call it Hulk Hogan in No Holds because it's all kick punch. More like all holds are barred. <laughs> you don't need the bard, although they do fight in a bar. 
You do need the bard, though, because this is positively Shakespearean. And it's... It really is. It is tragic in nature. Yes. Um, and uh, uh, so this is, this is what I – so before we get that first image of the, of the movie with Hogan, we hear Howard Finkel introducing Rip as the WWE champion. So – and this is where it really fucked with my head – in so many ways, because this this after seeing the whole movie again, and and then he then kind of going back into this, it's like wait a minute. So we're watching a fictionalized version of the WWE, featuring some real WWE personal personalities as themselves: Gene Okerlund, Jesse Ventura, Howard Finkel, yet other real WWE personalities playing characters, not themselves. Hulk Hogan, um, fucking demolition acts. Yeah. It's, it's like, what? Well, let's think about the fact that this movie. And and not only that, but, but not only they, they, they mentioned the WWE here, but then at no point do they reference the WWE as being a wrestling promotion. And like we mentioned before on part one, Hulk Hogan's contract or rips contract is with the TV network and not a wrestling promotion. That is made fairly clear. It's really weird. They get the mention in of the World Wrestling Federation. And the logo. You see the logo all over the place. But then they proceed to not make it part of the story, which is curious. It's a good point. And also, let's think about how absurd it is on its face that playing Rip in this movie is not Terry Bollea. Right. You know, it's like... Well, it's like... It's like when we have lapsed Vince playing Ebenezer Scrooge. (laughs) (laughs) Or lapsed Steve Austin playing Kevin McAllister. Right, but I don't know. I guess guess Steve Austin did star in The Condemned, even though that's not his real name. I mean, right. But that, that, that to me is more to do with the bizarreness of wrestling than has to do with... Yeah. You know, because again, wrestling, we've talked about this a, a thousands of times, but wrestling is a very odd thing that blurs the line, that tries to blur the line between fiction and reality. Nobody knows what Terry Bollea is. No. You I know? I, you know, I don't think. I don't think Hulk Hogan has talked to Terry Bollea in 30 years. I don't think. I don't think Hogan's talked to, to, to Terry Bollea in. You know, since 1984. Who's less familiar with the other? Hulk Hogan and Terry Bollea or Ric Flair and Dick Fleer? Ooh, ooh and Richard Fleer. <laughs> ooh. Um, so, yeah, if we're going to play this game. But, you know, that said, A Star is Born certainly doesn't say Lady Gaga's real name in the credits, does it? No. Yeah. No, I don't think so. So it's just part of the entertainment tomfoolery that we've come yeah. to expect. It's just, it's just fucking... But it, it's just weird, like, why, why bother having some people play real WWE people and others not? Others not. Well, they probably want to guard against certain characters coming too much to the foreground if they're intended to be background noise well, to enhance others. Especially when you consider one thing. They're already paying Marvel. They have to pay Marvel for the Hulk Hogan name anyway. So they're saying Hulk Hogan is in No Holds Barred. Yeah, you know, I was kind of... you know playing with that I was tweeting that over like what of all the reasons like what are what's the possible re- best reason 
that they went with calling him Rip in this movie instead of having him just portray Hulk Hogan in the movie. Yeah. And I, I came back to maybe it would cost them too much money because we all know they have to pay a certain licensing arrangement to Marvel to call him Hulk. And maybe to take that to the big screen would require a new contractual language. Perhaps that deal they have is just for use within professional wrestling. And maybe just calling him Hulk Hogan in the credits is different than calling him Hulk Hogan in the movie. I don't know, maybe. but I'd love to get that answer one day. It shouldn't yeah. be a hard one to get. And I'm sure, I'm sure it wasn't just like, let's reimagine Hulk Hogan as someone who wears blue and white for the fuck right. of it. I, I mean, everything about likely. it is so, is so, I don't know. If I, if I were, if I were a fan at the time going to see this movie, and I remember being disappointed to begin with when I saw it, when I rented it on video that Hogan wasn't playing Hogan. Cause I always thought that. Yeah. I always thought that Hulk Hogan was playing Hulk Hogan. And when he came out in blue and white, not the red and yellow, I was just very disappointed. That's funny. Very disappointed. As I mentioned the first part, I came from the other end. I hadn't really been exposed to Hulk Hogan before I saw this movie or in, in not, not exposed to him in any detailed way. Yeah. So for me, in my formative years of wrestling fandom, it was about how close Hulk Hogan came to rip, not how close rip came to Hulk Hogan. Wow. So I developed, and you think about it, as I talked about, you get a much more intense sort of up close character sketch of Hulk Hogan in this movie than you ever would watching WWF television where he cuts True. two minute promos and appears every four weeks and wrestles for 15 minutes on television every four months. So I was like kind of, I think imbuing the Hulk Hogan I saw on the wrestling screen with those characteristics I'd learned in the movie, I wasn't differentiating them or appreciating that that was an attempt at a different character than who Hulk Hogan yeah. is in wrestling. So I had all this like backdrop uh, in terms of what I was seeing in the WWF Hulk Hogan that I kind of assumed was true about his backstory, about his manner, about like what he considered important and about how, how he kicks ass outside of wrestling. And I, <clears throat> I was able to tell myself that this guy was a legitimate world beater, not just in this sport of wrestling, but that yeah. he was actually somebody that in a knockdown drag out fight to the death would also prevail. And I feel like that was always something yeah. that underpinned my childhood view of Hulk Hogan that came from this movie that had I not seen this movie, I would have seen him as much more of an athlete, much more of a, mm. a participant in a sport, as opposed to somebody who just kicks ass. is just a tough, tough motherfucker that nobody wants to fuck with. Yeah. I never thought about that till you said that, but that's, I kind of spent my whole childhood waiting to see Hulk Hogan do the things in the ring Kill that people? I saw him doing this. Yeah, essentially, essentially, or at least if he didn't do it in the WWF, I assumed it was something he always had in his back pocket yeah. in case of emergency, that kind of deeper, darker place he could go to. Yeah. Not, you know, not just this fluff all the time. Anyway. That said, as you mentioned, the first thing we see is Hulk banging through the doors, growling, swinging his head in slow-mo side to side. Can I, can I also comment on just the atrocious ADR that they do? ADR? So, yeah, ADR is the, um, is the sound that you re-record afterwards. So yeah. you, ever, you ever watch a movie sometimes... You know what I'm, but you know what I'm talking about. I know about? what you mean. Yeah. Well, okay. See, yeah. Somebody's in a scene where you shouldn't be able to hear them talking, and then they. What was that? Somebody is in a scene in a movie where there's a lot of noise, for example, and you shouldn't be able to hear them talking. Right. And they record or, or the dialogue. They, or they re-record. Say, you know, when they were recording this, this, uh, the the stuff with Hogan, you know, it, it might not have picked up. They might not have even recorded sound. 
in that stadium because it would have been so crazy loud and stuff like that. There's no point in getting, you know, there might not have been any point in getting the actual, you know, Hulk Hogan sound. And so just like, it's so obvious, you know, that he's not saying it, that he, re- that he recorded this audio afterwards. It's so atrocious. You know, I wonder about this. I know exactly what you're saying, but I've also noticed that in the highest caliber of films that I'm watching yes. with headphones in. Yes. Is it that uh, blatant and obvious? And does it take you that much out of it if you're in a theater? Especially in 1989 is my question. Um, I don't know. Maybe not. And maybe not. And also, it might also just be, you know, uh, having having myself worked in that situation. Like, I've been with people who've recorded ADR. I've been in sound studios where people have recorded ADR. And it's just like, I, I kind of, I was like, oh, I get it now. Like, they, you know, oh, they, rec- they re-recorded this dialogue because there was, they were, tr- they were manipulating wind. And so they had a big giant fan you know, blowing air at the actors faces to make this look like it's, it's wind coming. Right. And so in the actual audio at the, at the, um, that they, that they filmed, Oh, it's, you can hear the giant fans. So they're trying to fix that. And, but now I can tell it all the time. Can tell it all the time. Yeah. It's yeah, like, there's just the a time. certain, there's a certain different key to the audio that you really can't, yeah. can't avoid. Yeah. Or maybe you can't avoid if you tried harder. I don't know. But you, but to me, I notice it when I've got earbuds in, Mm-hmm. And I'm listening obsessively closely. I wonder if, per the standards of the time and what the filmmakers could reasonably expect people at home to notice in the theater and on VHS, it was even a consideration. If it's just well, let's something... also take in consideration the talent of the artists who are completing this motion picture, <laughs> and we can also <laughs> make assumptions from there. Yeah, you know, make assumptions exactly. I'd right love from to there. talk to somebody who does particularly sound on movies and has done it for thirty years, sure. like. Do you ever think when you started in films that you would be working in a time where most of the movies people watch, they have earphones in the whole time? I know. How does that change the standard and, you have to and, reach? And I'm one who's a, who's, a, who's a big fan of going to see movies in the theater, but, you know, <clears throat> I watch, you know, stuff all the time on my phone, you know, on the, on the bus. The only free time I can watch, you know, I'm a married man with a, with a, with a child. I don't get to watch much TV. Right. And I'd be shocked. <laughs> watch my own shit. I got to watch it on the bus. Right. The only time you have for you time is when you're performing tasks that also keep your sort of domestic right. affairs in order, be it housework, grocery shopping, commuting, or whatever. Now, it's only a matter of time on this point. And perhaps I'm behind enough that it might be already be happening and I just don't appreciate it because like you, I don't get to the theater nearly as much as I'd like to. But we're mm-hmm. probably only a few years away from everybody in an, in an audience taking in a movie with Bluetooth earpieces in um, and nobody subjecting themselves mm, to, I being... don't know, you know, cause there's, there's, there's one thing. I mean, I suppose that that could be interesting, but I'll tell you there, there is, there is a difference though. If you're in the theater, the, 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 the grandness of the sound happening in the room, I don't know if that would ever change. Interesting. I'm not suggesting it would go away. I'm just suggesting that way more people would prefer it than you would expect. The amount of people who are willing to walk around in society, particularly in very congested cities where you can get sideswiped by a bus you don't hear coming or just being in circumstances where it probably behooves you to have some degree of situational awareness, yet they're wearing these units on their head that, you know, are more intense than like a fighter pilot's ear protector headsets and they're walking around. You just... 
people are so dedicated to telling themselves that they're in isolation, even when they're forced to be put out into the wilds, that I just think most people would opt to take sound in that way. I mean, I mean it's possible. I, I would not. You know, I, I do trust my motion picture experience. Very good. To be to be the way that it should be. So here he comes. I remember it very well. Him shaking his head slowly, side to side, the sweat and the, oh, yeah. the spittle flying out into the camera. And here he comes uh, with the Ripem um, signs in the audience. Um, you hear. Uh, Come on, Randy. Let's go, Charlie. We're gonna yeah. rip them. Oh, I know. It's so weird. You don't even see them. Right. This like, is all he's these... like, who the fuck are you talking? Who's Charlie? Who's Randy? <laughs> yeah. Hogan's like, just like letting out these utterances as he makes his way to the ring that you can hear in the film, but you know, of course, you'd never be able to hear if you were watching a live wrestling match. So mm. that's kind of a new, you know, that's kind of a new standard agreement when you're watching wrestling pre- presented is to be able to hear the audio. Not unlike uh, the Sherry fan cam idea that we did in that call yes. video. Very you know? true. Very so, true. We're going to rip up Jake Bullet, man. You can hear him tell that to himself or whoever is with an earshot on the way to the Rip him. Rip him. Rip him over and over again. Rip him. Awful. What an awful catchphrase. You got to wonder what the crowd was thinking at this taping. Were they told ahead of time that we're now going to film a scene for a movie and that's why? They do not care. They are collecting their paychecks. <laughs> right. You, you assume this wasn't taped <clears throat> during an actual WWF taping? I would, uh, I would presume that everyone who was in... Well, it was definitely a smaller building, you know, than what we're used yeah, to. Yeah, I guess that's true. If and I, I would, I would suspect that anybody who was filmed for this movie would have been compensated, hired as an extra. They usually don't. Mm-hmm. It's rare that, unless you know, it's a, it's certain circumstances that they would allow um, there to be that much potential chaos. Usually, they want as much control as possible, which is why that's a good point. You know, even when you're looking at a crowded city street mm-hmm. in a movie. It's, it's Those people staged. are workers. It's staged. Yeah. They're all hired. You know, they're not randomly getting a shot. They yep. needed to get a, a permit and um, close the street down because you need – it's all about control. It's That's all right. about control. Yeah. yeah, and if you don't have paper between you and the person in the background, you, you're sort of limited in your ability to dictate exactly what they do, especially if you're, again, to your point, subjected to the urban wilds and people right. in the background could do any number of things that would distract from the scene. Can't have that. And also, it's like, if you didn't, then you're gonna. If you had to redo the shot, you have different people. If you're gonna yes. do a cutaway, the continuity gets fucked. There. So you yeah. really have to Great work point. on that. You Great know? point. Didn't even think of that. Uh, so yeah, this is very. I'm now with you. Very likely shot um, in a closed set with with yeah. actors. I can tell you one thing for sure. Um, yeah. They definitely had. Um, a surplus of WrestleMania 4 t-shirts available to hand out to audience members. If you look very closely and freeze some frames, every other person in this crowd is wearing a black WrestleMania 4 t-shirt. That's hilarious. The same exact t-shirt over and over and over again. Including it's like the, the fans in a video game. It really is. You know? Including the scene where they hold up the Ripon banner. <laughs> that would be a good one to, to hone in on if you want to see what I'm talking about. Interesting. So, that Gene says there's always been a special relationship between Rip and his brother Randy since the loss of their parents. He's been much more uh, than a brother to Randy. So we who be... fucking cares about this backstory? Yeah, they think. I, I think the more they establish the closeness between Hulk and Randy, the more it'll hurt when Zeus almost cripples and destroys and kills Randy later. I think that's yeah. The but idea. you could you, you can do that in so many different ways, and it just it felt so. You you know I've never heard about that kind of talk in wrestling to begin with you know yeah it, it's strange credulity that a wrestling announcer would bring that up yeah yeah well i mean if it's a, if it was a gimmick 
you know, if the brother was suddenly brought into an angle, they would certainly call attention to it. But this is definitely, you know, a, a movie that's that's blurring the lines between what wrestling actually is and what yeah. wrestling apparently appears to be in, you know, in terms of reality. Uh, I mean, you want to talk about a hall of mirrors. It's like you take something like wrestling, the unique head fuck that wrestling is, and then put it onto a completely imaginary movie set. It's like, what are you even looking at? Do two negatives equal a positive? You know, what, what the hell? Definitely is not with this movie. It's a big negative. It, it, is what we're seeing from these guys on the screen in some ways more real than what we see from them in their quote-unquote real jobs? Ooh. Because they're out of their element and therefore forced to show parts of themselves that they otherwise would be able to shield in the wrestling context? I, th- I think I think we that, that happens with Stan Hansen, yes. Yeah, very good. And Jake uh, as well. Um, Jake, whatever his name is. Jake Moxley, what's his name? What? This guy, fucking Axe's character, Jake what? Oh, Jake Bullet. Thank you, Jake Bullet, um, who's in the crowd Jake screaming, Bullet. yeah, big sissy, I, I, I. so he's got those kind of standard issue heel the cat calls. big sissy, mm-hmm. ah, ah, fucking Christ. And Tora suggests that people are saying Rip has actually ducked Jake Bullet, and Janoklin <laughs> says that's outlandish. It's just, he says, in fact, it's, it's, it's as outlandish as that hairdo you're sporting, Jesse. <coughs> now, Why don't you leave me alone, Gene, you fucking piece of shit? <laughs> Cut. Jesse. Jesse. What? I know that the idea here is that you're ad-libbing and coming off the top of your head. And look, we love that. I mean, well, I thought we were making a motion picture. Yeah, but we can't ha- we ad-lib and do some some things that go beyond the realm of professional wrestling. Yeah, for sure you can, Jesse, but the Now, concern- I always thought that I was allowed to do things the way that I wanted to do and you were going to give me some artistic and creative freedom. Look, Are you denying me the artistic and creative freedom to banter here with Mean Gene Okerlund, Jesse, my you... pal and buddy, for the last 15 years? Gene, will... Jesse, will you stop reading directly from your contract? Okay, listen. We're I'm not... not reading anything. I'm reciting things that I have in my head because I am a smart man. Yeah, and what you have in your head is every single clause in your contract and nothing I else. have in my head every single clause of any contract that I've ever had. <laughs> As if to say, like, don't come thinking that that's the only contract I've got in my head. Don't you dare put me in that box. So, Jesse, look. I can loop together every single clause that's ever been in any of my contracts in my entire career. Jesse, for God's sakes, there's no conspiracy theory here. What is it with you and conspiracy theories? We're well, just trying I'm to... questioning what you're conspiring about in regards to my creative freedom. I'm trying to have, if you don't like what I do, you can leave it on the cutting room floor, but allow me the respect, allow me the dignity to do exactly what I need to do to get the best take and the best footage for you. I'm doing what I can here for you, and you're trying to prevent that from happening. So fuck you. Man, can't imagine why Jesse and Vince would have had a falling out around this period in time. Certainly just can't imagine it. He's wearing a beaded headdress, by the way. He's wearing a fucking... He's Scott Steiner. That's what he is, for fuck's sake. He's wearing like a disco lampshade on his head, basically. <laughs> so he's out there. Such a fucking... Oh, man. Hogan gets in the ring, does some dialogue, and, um, and there it is. The hand signal that they came up with for Rip, the hang loose with one finger halfway oh, extended. so fucking dumb. And then the hoof. <laughs> I got a question for you. Hmm? When we talk about Hogan going hoof, 
Yes. Does that come more from this movie than anything Hulk Hogan ever did in a wrestling ring? I mean, maybe the hoof does. <laughs> right, the face doesn't, but the noise is from this movie. There's definitely the ruff, 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 ruff that I've heard him do in many matches. Ruff, 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 yeah, when he's pursuing a guy in the in the ring. He's, and He's in that collar and elbow and he's yeah. rolling around the ropes. Oh, he totally Sergeant does Slaughter. that. He definitely does that. But maybe the hoof is from, is from this. I also think it comes from 93 uh, uh, WrestleMania 9. I think right. that happens too. He hoofs. But I think he hoofs. And he hollers. <laughs> Much like this cast. So there it is, the hand signal. Um, crowd shot says, rip him up. You can see the <coughs> WrestleMania 4 shirts prickly well here when they have that um, cutaway to that sign. And then um, Bullet makes the charge. Jake Bullet makes the charge. Hogan yeah. sidesteps it, goes into the, the, the corn buckle. The corn buckle? <laughs> that's a new one. <laughs> yes. That's right. That's what they, that's, that's for, that's the film term. It does make a lot of sense buckle. why Bill Eady would make a, a fucking beeline for the corn buckle. That makes right. a lot of sense. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen him at a fucking barbecue, but this guy, <laughs> holy shit. He's, he makes a sea line for the corn. It's <laughs> corn on the slob. This fucking guy. So, um, you got to love that accentuated ring noise in a wrestling movie. You know, it's like the, yes. ring, the ring doesn't oh make God. phony enough sounds as it is. You hear like every metal... <laughs> Jingle, jangle, and like everything. <laughs> like everything's just so exaggerated. Right. Like, exactly. Like you said, like wrestling doesn't need to be exaggerated as it is, and they fucking go tenfold with it. Right. It's like, we need some sound for the ring. We need some sound for the rattling turnbuckles. All right, I'll stand down here. You throw that tackle box down this flight of stairs. Yes. <laughs> Someone fucking. <laughs> throws a goddamn uh, uh, toolbox like in Home Alone 2. I was going to say, fuck it. Let's just rip it from Home Alone 2. <laughs> All right. Uh, they put this weird round uh, Ronda Rousey eye makeup on Jake Bullet for some reason. And, and they give him that weird spiky, like almost a, like a Scotty Too Hotty haircut. Like, what the fuck? Why can't you just be Demolition Axe? Yes. Cut to Kurt Fuller. Oh, yes. Who's watching this match on television, and he says, it looks like our competition might just do us a favor and self-destruct. Right. And um, uh, we see a number of suits. He's sitting in a room with a number of suits, including one of my favorite that guy character actors, David Pamer. David Pamer's in there. Yeah. He's one of the he's one of the two stooges. Why is he one of your favorite character actors? Oh, he's just in everything. He's just great. He's very funny. Um, yeah. Oh, he's great. Oh. Yeah. I'm looking yeah, at his fucking yeah, face right you know, now. You know who I'm talking about. He's he's in everything. He is always, always there. How was he in Ocean's 13? He's very funny in Ocean's 13. Yeah. I'll tell you, the one one role that I really, really enjoy him in, because, you know, he, he, he plays a lot of pushovers because he's kind of scrawny and, you know, and, and, and so he's he's very easily defeatable. But there's one movie that I think he really shines because he's doing something different, and that is State and Maine. And he plays a badass movie producer nice. who doesn't give a shit, mm -hmm. and he's really fucking funny. Very nice. State and Maine by David Mamet. Pro Very tip. good movie. Pro tip. So, yeah, he's in. we get that wide shot of the whole committee in there yep. uh, sitting behind Kurt Fuller looking all smug. Go back to the ring. There's a sleeper hold on. And we, and, actually... and we get the sound effect of Hogan either... Choking on his own blood or drowning. I'm not sure. Hmm. 
whatever it is, they've decided to put a blurry... Right. ADR, right? ADR. Um, better than better than DVR, I suppose. Yeah. So you got a Maybe. blurry... They blur the shot because Hogan's woozy in the sleeper. So now we are seeing through blurred vision on the screen as he looks over to his brother, Randy. See, see Hulk, what I want to do... Yeah. Really want to get the idea of what it is like to be Rip Thomas. You know, here we are. We see you. Obviously, we're going to make the connection of Hulk Hogan here and seeing Hulk Hogan. We all are fans. We all love Hulk Hogan, what Hulk Hogan can do. But nobody knows what it's like to be Hulk Hogan. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to blur it. Okay, I'm going to... I'm going to make the lens go out of focus during the shot to get your point of view. Well, ironically, that is not at all how it feels to be Hulk Hogan because the sleeper holds are fake and you never have your vision compromised as a result of this hold. And and and, and, you know, and more importantly, Hulk Hogan would never put him in, himself in a position to be compromised. No, that's kind of <laughs> antithetical to who he is. That's, that's Hulk Hogan 101. You know, you said Rip Thomas. And it's, yes. always, it's always a point of curiosity for me, unless I'm mistaken. They never once mention his last name in this film. No, but it's mentioned in Wikipedia. But we do know and him. I think in the credits as yeah. well. So we do know by virtue of the credits for this character is to have a last name. But this happens a lot in movies. I think about Harry Lime in Home Alone. Why does yes. this guy need a last name? Yeah, you never hear him. And it's funny because I'm assuming that the Harry Lime rip, the name is ripped off of uh, uh, Harry Lime in The Third Man. With Orson Welles. Oh, there you go. Um, it's a very peculiar name, but yeah, I, I know Harry Lime exactly. It's very. But you name the characters, and I wonder if it's in case, as the script develops, you have a reason to mention yeah. their last name, or if there needs to be. Well, a... sometimes when you introduce a character, you introduce it as, and you know, then the door opens and we see for the first time Rip Thomas. 30 years old. I understand that. Wearing a tight thing. And so it's in the script, but you you might not necessarily ever hear that name fully, yep. you know, spoken. I'm just curious why that is. So Hogan gets up, throws some back elbows. I, I, I would say it's it's mainly because there's just never a situation where it would call for it or people just forget about it because the name's yeah. in there. Hogan throws some back elbows and we get some crunching noises as he breaks free. He runs... Uh, into the corner uh, to break free from the sleeper yeah. hold and then peeks his head through the ropes and gives the big woof. I remember that really well. Like thinking, oh boy, now it's on. He's yeah. making the face. He yeah. turns around, makes some growling noises um, and he no-sells uh, the forearms of Jake Bullet, and he throws those punches with a, a, the sounds that are as satisfying as hell when you're a kid, thinking that all punches yeah. land with a... Oh, I know. With a... <laughs> And then, uh, as I mentioned in part one, I start watching WWF matches and long for sounds on the punches. <laughs> yeah, I should have been watching All Japan. That was my problem. <laughs> then, in... Yeah, it's, or it could be like if you're watching like Indiana Jones when they, they fucking, the punches are like made of a combination of some kind of impact as well as a cannon blast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the... That... <laughs> That's the noise the ring makes now, the 1812 Overture cannons oh reaching the fucking... I tried. I tried. Oh, WrestleMania. Yeah. The highest purchase of a 80,000-seat stadium, you can still hear the impact. Um, you know, Rip rallies very similarly to Hulk Hogan. I mean, you'd think they were, were related somehow. <laughs> Made me wonder how big Rip's penis is compared to Hulk Hogan's and Terry Bollea's. Right. 
where does Rip's penis lie in the, uh, the spectrum. in the growth chart and the spectrum between Hulk Hogan and Terry Belayas? Because they're all one and the same. But if if the if the imaginary you know if the Hulk Hogan character played by Terry Belaya, his penis is bigger than Terry Belaya's. You gotta wonder if a character played by the character Hulk Hogan. That penis has got to be gigantic. <laughs> well, it's the first time growth charts have ever been associated with this movie. So I'll give you that. Finally, there's a whip, there's a boot, and he gets the one, two, three. And actually, he, does he, doesn't, he doesn't drop the leg. He takes no. all, all angles they show of the boot. One, two, three, four times. Love it. Down he goes. And now no, he does not. He doesn't drop. He stands he does not drop. He stands. Because the finish. It is time for the axe bomber. Yep. His finish from Japan, if you ever watched his early 80s New Japan stuff, in particular the uh, IWGP tournament final against Inoki in 83, he throws this big time. The running double axe handle. The axe bomber knocks down uh, Jake Bullet. Which, one, two, three. again, I sit here and I say to myself, why? Why? Why is he not dropping the leg in the fucking why movies? Are these, why are these, like, you know, I, I, I kind of understand. Sometimes you... You you have a person in a movie who's so associated with something that you want to kind of make sure they don't they don't do that. But everyone's coming, whoever's coming to see this movie is coming to see it because of Hulk Hogan, not because of Terry Bollea, but because of Hulk Hogan. Of course. So he should be playing Hulk Hogan and doing the Hulk Hogan moves. I have a thought. Yes. Hogan talks about how much they sort of stressed over the fight scene in this book for this movie as they're writing it. If the big crescendo moment is Zeus getting knocked off a balcony through the ring and it collapses all around him, kind of raises the question of how you can fit a leg drop in there. Well, fucking just boot him off. Well, that's you, not you a leg do, drop, though. You do, But you do 18 cuts with the fucking... of the of the goddamn boot here, almost making that a bigger move to begin with because you're giving him, like... Yeah, I guess that's true. They yeah. do seven repeats of the fucking boot. But if the big crescendo is going to be the I double guess. axe... Maybe they thought, let's get that. Th- that's pro wrestling, you know. If we, we don't, don't do, I could do the axe bomber, brother. Let's get the move that's over, Japan, dude. <laughs> yeah, oh, I can totally I see that being a dialogue. You know, Terry, the damn thing is, you know, you do that in Japan. Nobody knows that. Nobody's aware that your maneuver in Japan is different than here in America. So I got I don't. I don't know if I buy that shit. I don't think an axe handle is going to defeat people. No, dude, I can show you, brother. I, I can do it, dude. I swear to God, I can do it, Terry. I don't. I'm not a fan. Well, brother, dude. Well, what do you think we should do, dude? Well, you know, I've been thinking about it actually. As a maybe a, a change of pace. What if we did a running double axe handle instead? You know, when you charge the guy and you hammer him in the head with a double axe handle, brother. That's 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 the move that I. That's what I'm talking about, dude. I, uh, why are you fucking with me, brother? Dude, I told you the axe bomber, dude. That's my move, brother. The the double axe handle running, dude. That's what I do in Japan. No, Terry, I just came up with this idea. This is my brand new, creatively done idea. And it's good I'm shit. I'm not aware of what you do in Japan. I'm aware of what I'm coming up with right now. That's exactly right, Vince. And it's good shit. Yeah. I like it. I think my idea is going to make a million dollars. I think your idea is going to get flushed down the toilet. Brother. <laughs> I didn't expect that one. I thought we were exiting. 
<laughs> what else does he have to say? Just that? <laughs> that's it. It's pretty good. I mean, that's Vince. You ask anybody that knows him. Yeah. You know, if you want to get your idea through, mission one has come up with the idea. Mission two is find a way to make Vince think he came up yes. with it. No, no, no. It's not that. Number, number one is come up with the idea. Number two is find a way to get Vince to come up with the idea. Correct. Yeah, yeah I not, think. Not, not to make him think he did, but to make him come up with it himself. Come up with it himself. Yeah, that, that's actually a key distinction. I think Jack Swagger put it this way. You have to convince. You get it? Convince. You convince. Uh, <laughs> to convince Vince to do something you want him to do is to con him into thinking that he came mm-hmm. up with it. And, uh, you know, here's I think what the... After hearing that several times from people who have dealt with Vince McMahon, I think the higher wisdom here and the higher truth of the matter is that Vince doesn't have amnesia about where he heard the idea. He pretends to as a way to remind you that you won't say dick when he looks you right right in the eye and pretends that he came up with your idea and for the rest of his existence on planet Earth can make all of the money off that idea from an intellectual property perspective. And you will sit there Right. And you will be grateful. You will, you will st- sit there and admit that Vince McMahon is smarter than you. That's right. I mean, if you All know right. Vince's mentality, what's he going to get a bigger kick out of? Using somebody else's idea and pretending he didn't know where it came from? Or using somebody else's idea, pretending he didn't know where it came from, even though he knows you know where it came from, and watching you sit there and say nothing about it? I think the latter is much more likely to be yes. what Vince derives greater satisfaction from. So there's some chance of rip em, rip em, as Rip has triumphed here over Jake Bullet. We get a shot of Kurt Fuller standing in the, um, in the studio, back in the arena. There's pandemonium. They're throwing things. And, hey, you know what? That might be a good idea for the Vince McMahon biopic. It, it would be a great idea for the Vince McMahon Pandemonium. Bio. Pandemonium Inc., if you will. So yeah, he's freaking out. For some reason, Kurt Fuller does not want Hulk Hogan to win, does not want Rip to win. <laughs> So the TVs are all turning static as he's throwing things around the studio. (laughs) There there are two really good parts of this scene that I love. Fuller yells at his cronies for being last in the ratings again. Like, dude, come on, man. The show just happened. At least wait to read the overnights tomorrow morning. Right. Like, you don't know where you are yet. Well, the thing is, that's what's so weird about the, the sports entertainment in this movie is that, like, Kurt Fuller carries himself as a character that knows wrestling's a work and therefore can be <laughs> manipulated to win ratings wars because it's right. a work. But in reality, in the movie, these fights aren't works at all. And there's no kind of nod or wink made to that. It's, it's like he's sitting there thinking that Hulk Rip is going to lose the match and that's a win for him. Mm-hmm. Yet... The way he carries himself in the movie is as a promoter who isn't in the business of wins and losses, but is in the right. business of booking winners and losers. You know what I right. mean? It's very strange. Right. It wants to have it both ways in a lot of ways. There's almost a, a Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross feel as Kurt Fuller freaks out in front of all these bitches. Oh, totally. Yeah. He's freaking out. And um, Again, and also he reminds me of Frank Cross and Scrooged. He does. I like that. And two, the, the people who are just sitting there as Kurt Fuller throws a fit and just in their suits and ties and their total 80s-ness, just take it and probably go home and grouse to their wives about it but would never say anything to his face. Exactly. To me, it's like everyone Chevy Chase works with <laughs> in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yes. They just take it. 
Um, they're yes. bitter about it, but you know the boss is going to still be the boss. Yes. So uh, that's right. So they men they mention uh, you're going to be last in the ratings again, et cetera, et cetera. And he says, "I want that." Here it is, the first mention. First time. I want that jockass on this network. Ten o'clock. Ten a.m. tomorrow. Boardroom. Talk to me. I want that jockass on this network. Ten o'clock tomorrow. Boardroom. He wants plans on how to get old Rip Thomas over to his network, the World Television Network (WTN). The Stooges, the, the Stooges, by the way, which is um, David Paymer, uh, David uh, Paymer, and who? And, um, uh, I don't know the actor, but he goes by Ordway or something. Ordway, yeah. Sit there, looking like two people that would have worked in Titan Towers in 1991 through 93. I know, totally. You know, these like. I mean, David Paymer does kind of look like Jameson. <laughs> sure, he does actually a bit. These kind of like. New York suburban corporate types. Yes. You know yes. what I mean? Who like... Definitely guys who live in Connecticut and work in New York. <laughs> right. Or people who used to work in New York and now work in suburban Connecticut right. because somebody who used to have... Oh, a family. You know. <laughs> right. So, move up to so they build the gleaming office tower in the trees somewhere and, yeah, tell themselves they're still big city. I can't raise a family in New York. Can't happen. Yep. And so we get a Hulk Hogan voiceover where he just says, you want to see the cannons? And that we're back in the ring. And he's waving to the fans and Randy saying, way to go, big brother. And you can hear all this stuff. I'm very glad you explained ADR to me, boss, because I'm going to say that all the time now. Just a yeah. shortcut to what I'm trying to explain. I, oh, I call it voiceover, but that's not yeah. really it, you know? Voice- no. Yeah. I'm right, what, what I mean, uh, ADR, what it stands for. Sounds like a disability requirement. <laughs> Sounds like the law that makes you put a handicapped parking space next to your entrance. <clears throat> but um, automated di- yes, here it is. ADR, <laughs> automated dialogue replacement. I love it. A post-production process in filmmaking. <laughs> that's that's nice and specific. Appreciate that fucking de- uh, definition. So we also have Hulk's uh, coach hoisting the WWF championship, the winged eagle title, which is figured prominently Again, in the film. As another well. fucking weird thing here where you get the, uh, uh, again, a real reference to the WWE, but not, you know, but, but, but here's Rip Thomas. Right. And the WWF doesn't exist outside right. of uh, verbal mentions of the promotion. You see no, physical evidence past this point in the whole movie that the WWF is even a thing or that Hulk Hogan wrestles there. Then we cut to the World Television Network sign outside their corporate headquarters, their office tower. And um, I guess better than Rip Taylor. Or Rip Torn. (laughs) (laughs) Rip Torn is the state of uh, Hulk Hogan's shirt throughout this movie. Every every shirt for every match. So, uh, we we get this very provocative framing of Kurt Fuller going face to face with a bust in this corporate boardroom. I don't know who it's a bust of. Is this supposed to be like his dad or the founder of the I network? I think it's him. Oh, is it him? I think it's him. Not a very well designed bust. No. No. It's almost like those knockoff wax museums. I don't know. It's really awful. It does not but he it. stares at it for a while and I really enjoyed that though. I did enjoy the moment. Here, I'm gonna send you a little thing of Rip Taylor. It's my favorite Rip Taylor moment from The Simpsons. <laughs> 
<laughs> Stand by. <laughs> well, TLF is that TFC. Fucking, that's right. Um, so let's take a look. <laughs> Taylor. 12 seconds? Yeah. Loading. Am I going to get an advertisement before this? Someone making money off 12 seconds from The Simpsons. I know. Uh. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Taylor, you're not even dead. Someone needs to check my apartment. <laughs> you're not even dead. You know what? Uh, that's if if the under if the Undertaker has to hear that phrase one more fucking time when he's at the mall. I thought you were dead, man. <laughs> no, I'm the dead man. There's a big difference. No, I am the dead man. Now, can I get some extra uh, sriracha or what the fuck is this place? You you know the Undertaker eats sriracha on everything. Like whip. <laughs> All right, sir. Sure, you can have whip on your latte. Uh, later on uh, at the uh, the ice cream bar, uh, Rip Thomas orders Rip Cream on his at the diner there. His his lady friend, that's the waitress, renamed it Rip Cream. Uh, so I'm sure, I'm sure Rip Thomas also rips shit as well. <laughs> after going to said diner, he rips Thomas's English muffins in half and butters them. That's a good point. So, not that's a, another stupid pun or, no it's a good point like, like that could at all be characterized and defined as a point alright so Kurt Fuller's in there saying I refuse to go old waiting for Rip to ride off into the sunset he's just taking over the network every time this guy wallows around yeah. with some sweat hog on TV well, this is, we this is, eat it he said the diet like the dialogue brilliance like, again the bard is here so bard is not held back okay because we get this incredible piece of dialogue where he says now i want now i find that every time this jockass he says it again decides to strip to his sweet nothings and wallow around with some sweat hog we eat it hey look that sounds like vince wrote that it really really does now i find that every time this jockass Decides to strip down to his sweet nothings and wallow around with some sweat hog. We eat it. I can totally picture someone hitting the ring on Raw in the first 15 minutes and saying that exact line. <laughs> like a, a Baron Corbin or something, or an, an authority figure. It's so, like, it's ridiculous. So, um, what's his name? Brell, right? Brell. Yeah, I'm not, I don't call him Brell at all. Keep referring I call him to Kurt, him as Kurt Fuller, Fuller the entire fucking all my notes. Kurt Fuller. Yeah, Kurt, it's just Kurt you Fuller. can't. He can't let the the perf- perfectness, the perfection of that name go. Yes, you just can't no. turn it over to a character name. So he looks at a a woman named Mrs. Tidings, who's one of the um, the corporate um, feminist types that are so um, broadly portrayed in '80s movies. She's there and she closes her eyes like she's waiting for the tongue lashing. She knows that for some reason she's going to be blamed for what's about to happen. Um, Kurt Fuller says, you survived my little purge. So apparently he's completely run roughshod since taking the helm of the World Television Network and fired people. She's still there. And he says, reward my faith in you. I'm, not, I'm horrified to see where this is going to go. No, Vince was writing. Um, but she rises and she um, pitches a high concept sitcom. And she had a writer to do that. And, um, and then he says, and you explain this to me. He doesn't tell her yes. to take a hike. He doesn't tell her to get lost. He doesn't tell her to hit the hay. He doesn't tell her she's fired. What does he tell her? He says, 
take a leak. I can't tell you. I have no fucking clue what that's. I mean, that's like he's telling her to go to the bathroom. <laughs> that's almost like one of those lines that goes wrong and they just keep it in because it's yes. too fucking absurd to not memorialize. He tells her and to she, take a leak and she understands and she that that to it. mean leave the premises and pack your things. I mean, maybe he said take a leave and we just misunderstood it. So she heard it. She cries take and runs off. A leave of absence was cut out is the problem. Uh, maybe it was an editing uh, audio editing problem so then he points he says what about you Ordway and of course he's terrified and uh, they mentioned another primetime game show or something like that yeah and, game um, shows sell no it doesn't he grabs then, the poster grabs of Rip poster. Thomas it's a poster of Hogan he keeps yelling at Ordway this sells this sells has he ever seen a Hogan match <laughs> I wrote, um, no, it doesn't. Not really. <laughs> the guy rises and he says, Rip is already under contract to another network. This is another guy at the table. Weird. Um, and Brell comes back like with I'm a like old man. Number two, <laughs> no shit in the credits. And Brell comes back with a very Vince line. Contracts are nothing but words until of course, 1996. Well, the, he goes, well, the word is his bond. Well, he'll break his bond. Yes. What's his price? And he slams his hand on a glass table and smashes it. Well, he had this glass like thing that he had. Oh, in his he hand did. Oh, he I see. Smashed it on the Hogan poster. And he says, "Spare me, you mealy mouth, with all due respect, crap." That's another Vince. That's very Vince. What this Sma network? Spare me this mockery of justice. What this network wants, this network gets. And uh, we cut to Rip stepping out of a limousine in his. Black and red bandana very look. Very NWO looking rip. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very dark Hogan here. And um, Emily Feinberg. This is like 95, uh, 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 you know, World War Three Hulk Hogan. <laughs> when he went dark. Yes. Emily Feinberg escorts him into um, Kurt Fuller's office on the premises on the WWE corporate headquarters. I, I assume this is supposed to replicate. Yeah. Um, we have a wonderful bookcase, a wonderful mahogany bookcase in the background. What an office! I mean, oh. it's like, like something, that, something out of fucking uh, 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 um, Downton Abbey. That's right. And uh, Furler tells him, uh, "Your latch, your last match was a masterpiece." Then he loved it. Hogan, by the way, walking around in public with a weight belt on, <laughs> like it's a thing you wear around your waist in public. And um, this is classy. Let's not forget this wardrobe by Michael and Tony Design of Tampa. Oh we talked about them in the first segment, so that's who to blame every time Hulk um, Hogan assaults your senses with his sartorial splendor in No Holds Barred. And, uh, and Fuller says that he wants Rip on his network, yep. and he's willing to pay. <laughs> I want you on my network, and I'm willing to he he does he continues, but it, it, it's so great because because he, he takes like a breath in between, and he continues saying by saying whatever it takes. But for a moment, for a split moment, there is a suggestion that Rip wasn't getting paid doing his wrestling, which is pretty hilarious. Yeah, that he would be somehow that somehow the the pot is sweetened by virtue of Kurt Fuller actually being willing to pay. <laughs> on top of all the other things he can offer Rip Thomas to jump. They I mean, also like, make this... This is so grossly over the top. It really is. This is not a good start for the movie. 
um, in terms of like the likelihood that you're going to get lost and engrossed in these characters. Not a good start for Kurt Fuller. <laughs> well, I mean, he clearly was just mailing this. He's like uh, Booker T and TNA. It's like, I'm yeah. just going to amuse myself here because this is just a payday. So, um, and they also make a little thing about how one of the chairs in Kurt Fuller's office dates back to Louis the Fourteenth, and how delicate it is and how grand it is. And, yeah. and Hogan sits in it with his 300 plus pound frame and it makes these little squeaky noises <laughs> so that's supposed to be Hogan kind of uh, yep. bursting through propriety with his musculature so Hogan kind of gives the sly fox look when Kurt Fuller first says I'm willing to pay yep. and then he says thanks Mr. Brawl but I'm not interested he rises Fuller puts his hand on Hulk's shoulder and I remember feeling like when I was a kid like oh shit like you don't yeah. stop Hulk Hogan from leaving a yep. room if he wants to uh, Hulk immediately assesses the situation, checks behind him to make sure this isn't a distraction for Ordway to roll him up. And then <laughs> he slams a check, Kurt Fuller does on the desk, and he says, it's blank, gives him a pen, just fill in the amount. And he's talking to him like such dirt. I love it. He goes from like kissing his ass to the highest degree, the, yeah. the highest form of like sycophant sophistry you've ever heard. And then all of a sudden it's like, you bitch, like fine. You're a fucking loser. <laughs> right. Sign this. You. Time for you to die. Right. Hogan rises. He says, I'm leaving, Mr. Bro. Like, he's just asked him to admit to fucking a hit job on tape. Yeah. And he shoves him and says, wait a minute. You're not going anywhere until you and I come to an agreement. Are you telling me my money isn't good enough for you? I find that a little hard to swallow, you jockass. <laughs> he says it jockass again. Like, this is not a real term. I'm surprised that that didn't live on. The people don't go around saying jockass ironically. <laughs> I mean, I'm. I mean, I think we might just do it. We 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 might have to. And yeah, like I put a, I put in jockass in the Google machine, and it says, "Do you mean jackass?" Because there are no search, <laughs> uh, uh, no results for jockass. Is that right? I remember as a kid thinking Hogan was wounded by that being called a jockass, and he picks up the check. And uh, we hit a little bit of flute music as he scoops it up. And oh, they the all... score here is just oh. atrocious. It yeah. is just atrocious by Jim Johnston. Hey, he does an awful job. Got a chance to branch out in feature films here. Don't hate well, on hey, that. Hey, pal. Yeah. Johnson, get in here. What's up, Vince? Well, Patterson, get in here. Well, what's up, boss? Get Johnston. Get Johnson in here. Oh, you just said, you said his name first, what? boss. No, I said your name first, and, and I'm calling him in through you. Excuse me? So get it. I'll get him on the gimmick. Get me Johnson. Okay, okay, I got him in here. Fuck's sake. Mm -hmm. Fucking Crichton. Peace and shit. I'm a good time with their shit. Oh, okay, here he is, boss. All right. Johnson. Yes. You ready to branch out, pal? Oh, huh? no. Are you going to ask me Are you me ready to... to branch out? What? Are you going to ask me to make another FedEx delivery again to Hogan? Look. Well, I was going to ease you into it, but yeah, I was going to ask you to do that. <laughs> but I got... Because uh, I have other news for you, pal. We got good news, pal. You ready? Yes. You know how every week we make a, a weekly television vehicle? Yes. You know? You know how we do that? That's and you compose the theme songs <laughs> for for the the competitors in my weekly television vehicles? Something tells me, uh, Vince, that this preamble uh, isn't going to be necessary. As you, you know what? Do you know what? You, I'm asking, do you know what you do here? Yes. All right, there it is. I do it. Of course, I know. What are you? Are you? Are you talking shit to me? No, I'm just Come a little. I'm just a little discouraged, Vince. You're setting me up for something just that's going to be odious. And why don't we just cut to the chase? I'd prefer that. I would much prefer that than all of this. 
you know, I, I didn't I'd expect to build out the Jim Johnson character on this show, but what the fuck? If you could just cut to the chase, Vince, what do you need from me so I can get to work on it? And... Well, now I don't. I'm going to hire somebody else to do it. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. I was going to give, but I'll tell you what I was going to give you. I was going to give you the opportunity to compose music for a feature motion picture. Whoa, 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 whoa. Now, wait, oh, wait, no, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. I thought you were just going to give me a stick of gum for a tip. What you can do right now is bend your head between your legs and lick your own anus. Because you ain't getting that shit now, pal. You're a fucking asshole. But if you want the job, you can do something to get it. What's that? You want to do it? Yes. Say you want the job first. I want the job first. Say, I'm going to do the job. I've got conditions. I'm going to do the job. You. I've got conditions no, for you. No. What? Uh, sorry. You I'm sorry, Mr. Mc... Okay. I've got conditions for you. Just sign the contract with the conditions, and I will explain them after you sign it. <laughs> Can you explain them before I sign it, No, please? I cannot explain them before. This is my way. You fucked up. I'm giving you an opportunity. Vince, sign it, damn it. Vince slides the contract across the table and covers the entire top five-sixths of the page with his forearm, leaving only the signature line visible. Okay, Mr. All right, Vince, let me... Okay. John Hancock right. affixed. What... Tell me what I just All signed. Right. You got to bring steroids to Hulk Hogan. In Allentown again? You got to bring steroids to Hogan, to Savage... To um, to the guy playing the bad guy in the film, what's his fucking name? Patterson, what's his fucking a name? A tidy lister. He's hardly tiny. That's not his name. What's his real name? Zeus? Yeah, that's it, Zeus. <laughs> you gotta, and here's the thing. You gotta inject them as well. You gotta stick the needle mm-hmm. in their ass. And also, just for shits, go go bring some to Billy Graham and, and, and fucking inject him too. <laughs> Again? Just for fun. It's in there. No. You can't deny it, you son of a bitch. Do you have the same... You fucking signed. And it also says, if you do not do exactly as this contract says, I have the opportunity, should I desire it, to stab you in the leg with a knife. <laughs> well, Vince, before I go, I mean, you want me to avoid yeah. the East... you want me to avoid the Eastern District of New York again, right? Yes, I don't want you to... No, don't, don't go and don't... don't... Stay, stay the course. Stay the course, pal. So, Hogan grabs the check. He snatches uh, Hogan. And the first, he first snatches. Hogan scoops up the check, and everybody starts laughing. <laughs> like we're <laughs> yeah, all buddies. Thinks, yeah. It's it's like it's like uh, Austin in '98. Everyone <laughs> thinks that it's gonna gonna sell out that he saw the light and then he rips the check up and he says I won't be around when this check clears and he stuffs it down <laughs> his throat like a Teddy Biasi $10 bill and it was a shoot it was a shoot <laughs> yes apparently according to Kurt Fullerters you heard in part one he didn't expect Hogan he to quite really go shut so that deep. down my mouth I wasn't prepared it's fake he looks all menacing towards those idiots and does the <laughs> hand sign before leaving <laughs> that's how you know you're dealing with a, a real tough guy is when he does his hand signal before he leaves the room as long as he had that moment, to, you know, he, I'm glad he found the moment to do the hand signal. Yes, yes. Fucker. And uh, I'm grateful for this following scene. We see oh the limousine God. departing the office park, and do you know why I'm grateful for this, boss? Why? It allowed me to catch a glimpse of the street name that appears briefly. Ooh, and so I was able to find out exactly where this scene was shot. Wow. 
It was shot at 2859 Paces Ferry Road, southeast, a building called Overlook 3, which is in <laughs> Atlanta, Georgia. All right. It, uh, it's a property, an office property. How ironic. How ironic. I know. Isn't How that the truth? They're filming, they're filming the, the WB filming his first film right by Turner. And the World Television Network is headquartered in Atlanta. Yep. It's, uh, it lies upon Mount Wilkinson in the historic northwest Atlantic community of Vinings. This is according to a real estate listing. It is, uh, has an elegant two-story lobby with a total vision glass wall, rich stone floors and walls. There's a cascading water feature and a natural setting in, in the uh, lobby. There's exterior balconies. There's on-site amenities, including uh, private dining and a full-service health club. There's a cafe, wow. a coffee shop, um, a shop and florist, a hair salon, a coffee center, a travel agent, an auto detail shop, 23 shops and restaurants. Really terrific. Adjacent to the Wyndham Garden Hotel for all of you that are coming to the city and, and want to stay there. And uh, it's within minutes of I-75 and I-285. Oh, perfect. Um, it was built in February 1987, so really new when it came time to shoot this movie yeah, in 1988. Yeah, and renovated again in 2004, so it's it's not some uh, some time-worn office property if you were to visit it today, which, of course, I would highly recommend. It is certainly a Class A office building I'm type. I'm sure. 111,707 square feet, and I'll let you guess what county it's in, boss. Fayetteville County? Cobb County, Georgia. <laughs> and it looks very Titan Towers, very of the time. <laughs> If I was sure. going to build a big gleaming office building like this or Titan Towers, they look essentially the same. You know, it's sure. very much a, a period statement. So now Hogan's in the backseat of the limousine, and he says, hey, pal, you should have gone right back there. He's noticing the limo driver isn't taking him the, the fastest way. He says, you're going the wrong way. Finally, the window goes up in the divider between the driver Brother. and Hogan. Dude, what, what, fuck you don't Hogan. do this to Hulk Hogan. No, no, you don't. You don't I'll tell you, you, you don't put baby in a corner, and you don't trap Hogan in a limo. <laughs> I think Vince had an idea for this scene to get the best reaction out of Hogan, not tell him yeah, that, the window, not. that the window was going to go up. And, you, know, you, know, you know, Vince Man didn't tell me that he was locking up the, the car, brother. I couldn't breathe, brother. You know, I, I couldn't breathe, dude. I didn't know what was going to happen, dude. I was, I was petrified, man. I thought, I, thought, I thought for sure that someone was going to be rolling there from behind, dude. Right. I thought at any moment. Uh, you know, I had that, that kind of glimpse into my, into my psyche, dude. It kind of made me a little bit. A little bit afraid, brother. I thought a uh, sheik or slaughter might pull up next to the limo in a boat and attach a magnetic mine to it. I thought I saw the uh, like the shadow dude of a <laughs> of one of those boots, dude. You know that 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 sheik used to wear and slaughter used to wear, brother. The pointy ones, yeah. Yeah, you know, the pointy ones, dude. The ones that Saddam actually gave to slaughter, dude. Yep. And these windows, by the way, these dividers, they look more like steel than windows. So Hogan's really oh, oh, tra entrapped. Totally. He's trapped. He says, and then all of a sudden, Hogan. I love has that. A, I love that there is a uh, there is a TV executive that owns a limo <laughs> that has steel windows just in case. I know he works the limo company. Of course he does. Hogan says, "Try this on for size," because you know when you're trapped, you issue dialogue before doing something about it. He throws a right hand. He starts kicking um, and kicking and making a big ruckus and putting dents in the back of the car's body as he tries to get out of this thing. We see, by the way, the driver's license plate reads WIN1. He's swerving all over the road. Those kicks are... No, landing. it says WTN1. Oh, thank you. I thought it was a WIN. Okay, no. well, WIN none, then. <laughs> win, WIN1. WIN less than one. That'd be kind of funny. Uh, also, um, the, the, the score, you know, Jim Johnson now ups his ante a little bit here with the score. It sounds a little bit more like the Survivor Series theme, the classic Survivor Series 
um, give it you to know, us. saxophone theme. Oh, that's hard to do. Yep. I know what you mean. Yeah, it is. A lot of the music in this movie... Well, Jim Johnson loves that fucking shit. He loves those kind of songs. Um, So, yeah, a lot of the music in this movie is very WWF. Oh, It really is. All over the road uh, is this driver trying to control the car because Hogan's kicking it so hard that it it fails to continue driving in a straight line, apparently. Um, They get the shot on the outside, which is kind of cool. You see... Hogan's foot making dents and pushing out and yes. creating dent, creating you know uh, outward um, pressure from the outside of the door, and um, he's wrecking the entertainment center in the limo. The limo finally goes crashing into a series of cars, and for um, uh, as long as he's not damaging the performance center, yeah, right. And certainly for some effect, you can imagine, considering the budget of this one, they set off actual firecrackers and fireworks when yes. the um, the car impacts, uh, I think, a trash can in an alleyway. And um, he finally runs through a guard booth, a wooden guard booth, and smashes it in slow motion. And uh, it's going and going and going. Um, Hogan has now stopped kicking, mind you, and the and the car is still just careering out of control. <laughs> no semblance of brakes, yeah. nothing. He finally turns a corner and smashes. It goes right into this wheelhouse, uh, this, pardon me, warehouse. It yes. kind of, this kind of looks like the neighborhood where uh, Fight TV was, WrestleMania weekend, boss. <laughs> yeah, it does look like... You know the uh, the 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 dregs of New Jersey, and uh, Hogan is grunting in the back, and then there's an explosion from the roof. The how it, the car well, has now come to we rest. Do, we do we do drive by a bunch of uh, mm. you know uh, um, with a bunch of well dressed thugs. Yeah, there's like know, y- yakuza in there or Russian monsters, like fucking, whatever the fuck. Uh, you know, shirts and ties and leather jackets and stuff. You know, certainly, mm-hmm. you know, thugs who've made a made made a living. Yes, and. Uh, if I want to maintain credulity in this movie, the one thing I'm going to have Hulk Hogan do is skyrocket out of the sky roof of the limousine. Well, he does need to show up Brock Lesnar. <laughs> yeah, he does the Lesnar apron jump. He absolutely yes, does. He does. Except he does it through the sunroof of the limo and lands in slow motion on the roof of the limousine looking wild-eyed, and he takes on all these guys, headbutt. He's throwing hands from the roof of the car. He's uh, hitting them with, uh, what, pipes, I think? Um, he's... Dodging. Oh, he's, he's beating him with everything. It's very violent. Yep. He throws an uppercut, and one schmuck goes into a bunch of barrels. He throws them all over the car. He gets a gorilla press slam in through the windshield. He crashes through into the driver. Uh, big yep. guy, he dro- with a big kick, he drops another guy, a right hand. Um, he has a guy frozen in place, and he hits the double axe to the back. And um, he also does this, like, spinning back fist to counter a right hand, like a... Yes, like an actual like martial arts action scene God. move, which is cooler than any wrestling movie ever did in the ring. But that's neither here nor there. Guy throws on the hood, kicks Hogan. He dodges yep. it and rams him into the car, and then does kind of like a falcon arrow into the the roof of the car. Oh. So everyone's out hanging out. Three guys have been smashed into this car, and they're hanging out of any various number of windows. And he lets off a ha 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 ha. Bottom line. Bottom line with this with this fight. It's no holds barred. That's exactly right. It's no holds barred. <laughs> Give me that passion of 1989. The passion of New Line Cinema. <laughs> and so finally, he's. This is a. This is a big one. Yes. Hogan is making his noises. Oh my god. He's making his noises. <laughs> he looks like a rabid. 
insane animal. <laughs> this is not a good person. I know. Am I supposed to think this guy is out for like, righteousness? How am I rooting for this guy? It looks like he just escaped from the from the uh, from the asylum, and he's going ah sriracha, sriracha, ah sriracha. I told you, you like sriracha. <laughs> and he's he grabs the limo driver by the yeah. lapels and he pulls him up close like he's going to and- kill him. And you see, you and you see on the pant that his pants are drenched. Oh yeah, the rear of his pants are just completely yeah. darkened. The suit pants completely darkened. And Hogan grabs him by the lapels, pulls him in tight. And... <laughs> What's that smell? Go ahead, keep going. Do Robert it. Does. Dookie. <laughs> Hauser, MD. What a bitch. Oh, he goes. Dookie <laughs> Hogan repeats Dookie and we cut away. <laughs> What's that smell? Dookie <laughs> So it is, it is without a doubt. I mean, that is... It's the most Vince McMahon thing to ever happen oh, in a movie, I'll really tell you is, that. It would be really great. It was, as I, I picture, I picture uh, uh, if, the, if the situation was this. Yeah. In the hotel room, um, Hogan's at the typewriter. Vince is pacing. And and that's who's... Absolutely. You know, How about this, Terry? How about this? All right, Terry, how about this? So... You, you beat up a bunch of thugs. All right, brother. I like beating up thugs too. <laughs> and then, and, when, and then you you grab the limo driver, huh? And the limo. This is this is fucking funny. This is fucking comedy. See, I'm I'm in the wrong business. I should be writing comedy. The driver's shit his pants, and we get a shot of the the pants. Fucking liquidy shit pants. Yeah, brother. I like that dude. Liquid shit pants, dude. I dig that, brother. I dig the creative dude. <laughs> Hogan sips, takes a sip of sweet tea from the Chick-fil-A they had for lunch. It's sprawled all over the hotel room. Yeah, dude, I like that, brother. It's good. <laughs> all right, all right, yeah, sweet, yeah, yeah, shit, yeah, pants, dude, brother. And then, and then, dude, and then you pick him up. Then you pick up the driver by his fucking lapel. Yeah, dude, but the lapel, brother. And and you say, and you say, what's that smell? And the driver goes, yeah, what does the driver say, dude? Dookie. Brother Dookie? The fuck is that, dude? It's shit, pal. (laughs) You're damn right it is, Vince. It's also the uh, title of the first Green Day album. You do want to. Do want you to say shit? You know, I like I fucking shit my pants, man. <laughs> okay, and I quote, no, 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 no. and I quote, yeah. hold on, and I quote, dude, why don't you just say shit? Like I fucking shit my pants, man. As in, can you say that? In a, can you use that in a sentence, please? As in, I fucking shit my pants. That's pretty funny, actually. I wasn't gonna let that go un- unrecognized. It's almost like at the Starcast show where Vince said. <laughs> <laughs> Like the shit that's on my ass when I take a shit and somebody's going to kiss my ass. Sometimes it's better to just layer on the crudest language you possibly can. And that's creative enough. Like the shit that's on my ass after I take a shit and somebody's going to kiss my ass. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) 
Not really. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I, mean, I really have no clue, you fucking asshole. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the dookie scene. <laughs> fucking dookie. I mean, and it, it oh. goes nowhere. They cut away. It's like, it's, it's it really pointless. just exists it's, to laugh at shit. Right. It's It's like, it's, you know... I, if I want to laugh at shit, I'd go see No Holds Barred. <laughs> well, you're there. Um, it, it's like, y, y, in a weird way, Vince McMahon kind of reminds me of Bob Saget. Hmm. Yeah. You know, where yeah, you've got this yeah, guy yeah, who, like it. Who, who has all this, you know, he, Bob Saget on Full House, you know, he's this clean cut guy, you right. know, does America's Funniest Home Videos, this clean cut guy, you know, America's dad. He's America's fucking dad. But <clears throat> you see him do a stand-up comedy, and this guy is a dirty, dirty man. Right. A dirty, gross. It turned out the whole time he was having fun with us, convincing us he could play this. He was right. the straight man. Right. When in, when in reality, he is just a sick fuck. Right. And I love Bob Saget. I think Bob Saget's hilarious. Yeah, when people realize and, that's um, who Bob Saget was, it was fucking amazing. Right. And that's like that's like Vince here. It's like no, 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 no I don't yep. want to. Like I'm tired of doing the clean cut shit. I want to have, I want Dookie. <laughs> I want Dookie. Cut to an office Eat exterior. My dookie. And we have uh, folks saying, "Rip, meet your new account executive." And this is where so we I, meet. And this is where apparently we find out he sold out. He eventually took the money. But why do you say that? Oh, because, because Samantha Moore. Samantha take, yeah, I know. Fucking, He's taking them. No, but no, she's a secret agent. He's he's not sitting with Kurt Fuller's agency. He Kurt Fuller is trying to use her as like a mole in the other agency to backdoor in. Yeah, and let they Hogan clear that up. It's yeah, not, it's not that clean. No, it's not. Um, so they say, "Rip, meet your account executive." We meet Samantha Moore, who is um, the aforementioned uh, Joan Severance. Joan Severance pay. <laughs> Pleased to meet you, Mr. Ho- uh, pleased to meet you, and Hogan likes what he pleased sees. Pleased to meet you, Ms. Pay. <laughs> he immediately starts making the faces, like, ooh, ooh, yeah, check he's that a... ass out, brother. Hogan, <laughs> Hogan eyes Samantha like she's Bubba the Love Sponge's wife. <laughs> Hogan eyes her like it's a year's supply of DECA. <laughs> They're all sitting at a table with contracts on them, and pens, of course. Pens. I love the Hogan idea of pens. eyes it like it's fucking George Zahorian's uh, 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 stash. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, so she's running down different things they need to do to get Rip's brand on track. Item one, merchandising. <laughs> oh, what a revolutionary idea. So she's in charge, you know, she's wearing a power she's, suit. She's his, um, you know what she is? She's his CBO. She's chief the chief brand, brand officer. Uh, yes, yes, she is. She fuck absolutely it. is. Hogan's biting his thumb the whole time thinking about what he wants to do to her. He's like, he just wants to fucking fuck the shit out of her. Absolutely. A Hulkamania juice is flowing. Yes. She says... Uh, rip mania, what, whatever the fuck it is. What did she, she say is a natural her? for Rip? I got a natural for you, dude. Clean my pants, bro. I was going to say natural, huh? <laughs> um, right. He's following natural her ass cock. with his eyes. She says personal appearances should be better synchronized with you know, Rip's title matches. You no, know, Sam, dude, I've got, I've got a, <laughs> Sound good. a rip-roaring cock, brother. <laughs> Kills her brother. <laughs> Quote, and I wouldn't mind just taking you out, dude, and fucking the shit out of you, boy. Hey, hey, Sam, I got a rip-roaring cock, brother. And other great come-ons. <laughs> other great pickup lines from Terry Bollet, Esquire. 
Item three, Terribolia. Terribolia? That'd be the bowling alley he opens next to Pasta Mania. Terribolia. Sterling Bowling. (laughs) Sterling Bowling. Pasta Mania. He got that Arsenio interview I mentioned in part one. He got so uncomfortable when Arsenio was insisting on him telling him who his first, what his first wrestling name was. He like didn't want to acknowledge that there was. You know, I, you know, I, I, you know, I, um, you know, uh, well, I guess the the what I couldn't tell you, dude, is that. um, Well, you wrestled before you were Hulk Hogan, right? Well, I did. I did wrestle. You know, I did wrestle a couple other promotions. I was always Hulk Hogan. That's the thing you understand. No, I, I seem to remember when you were with Fred. Well, Blassie. no, dude. I always I had other names, brother, but I always was Hulk Hogan deep down. Dude. Oh well, no, I understand that. And that's I mean... who I really am. But then you know I wrestled as 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 uh, as Sterling Golden, dude, and 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 uh, and uh, Terry Boulder, brother. But then the real thing about it, dude, was that underneath Hulk Hogan was really there, brother. And I've always been Hulk Hogan deep down. So I'm I've always been Hulk Hogan, even if I had a fake name, brother. Well, Hulk Hogan is a fake name too, isn't it? No, I am Hulk Hogan, dude. I'm, you know, it's not like somebody. I mean, if you look look at the uh, look at the movie poster, brother. I mean, it says Hulk Hogan in No Holds Barred. It's not some weird name like I don't know Terry Bollea. <laughs> Before you go saying that out loud on national TV. <laughs> So she's going on and on about her plan for Hulk Hogan, and she stares at him and tries to get his attention, but he's daydreaming. It's kind of weird. He's daydreaming and not looking at her, even though we're supposed to think he's daydreaming about her, yet he's taking the opportunity to size her up off the table and looking off to the side. And well, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to think about what I'm going to do to her on the table, dude. Yeah. So I don't need to actually be looking her in the eye because I need to be thinking about in my mind, what am I going to be doing when I am, you know, when Hulkamania runs wild on Samantha, dude. Are we ready as Hulk Hogan fans to accept Hulk Hogan as sizing up a woman as potential meat? You know what I mean? It's almost like no. we don't. Would Superman would Superman ever follow a woman's ass across the room? Like, what is this? It is. It's just not. You wouldn't need to. You could see through all the clothes. <laughs> you still have to look at her though. All right. But you know, it's like it's something we never even want. Like, no. It's a weird thing. Wrestlers should not have love stories. No, I, re- I really agree. Unless it's something weird, like like in times it's worked. Like you know, I mean, I know this is a movie, and you have to have a love story. It's you know the 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 archetypal um, you know subplot is yeah. having a love story, but I don't know. Like it's just Hogan. It, There's something about Hogan where you can't think of him having sexual thoughts. That's why now the, you can. You've seen him. Fuck, well, that's why fuck that that's wife. why that video is so over the top because. It was so fucking oh, crazy. Oh, <laughs> right, right. Oh, dude. Oh, <laughs> His Tampa oh, tan yeah, on the oh, white dude. hotel bed sheets. <laughs> His Tampa <laughs> tan. <laughs> exactly. He's just not a sexual thing. Like, even women who love big, muscular men just. I don't think. They, look at Hulk Hogan as yeah, a sexual I object. Think, I don't. I, yeah, I don't think women chose to have sex with Hulk Hogan. <laughs> no, I, I, I they were like, paid to, right. but I don't think they chose to. Not even Linda. <laughs> oh, I mean, you know, there's just something... That's, no, I had to pay Linda at least $1,500 per lay, brother. For one thing, it's uncomfortable when he rolls out of bed and, and the sand from Clearwater Beach is just... You can never quite get it off the sheets, you know what I mean? You don't <laughs> see any sand, but God damn it, when you lay in that bed, you can feel it. 
on the back of your calves. <laughs> Sweats it out. That's probably <laughs> that's prob- <laughs> problematic. So he's daydreaming, and she says, Hulk, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. And um, and he says, you know, Rip, the Rip character wants to tell you that his main outside interest is charity work. He yeah, really- I want to make sure that we focus on the charity. That's right. Okay, that's my that is my only obligation. That is what I do the most. Yep. I need the charity brother. So Hulk is playing hard to get here. Yes. Which is even less becoming of him. So he's not, he's playing flirting, flirting games. Yes. He stands up and says, you know, uh, can we talk about this later? Like, I'm too cool to listen to your pitch, but at the same time, you pick up that I really want to take you outside of this context uh, of this meeting. And yeah. uh, she comes back, because she's a woman of the 80s. Fine, I'll pick you up. Eight o'clock, dinner, dressy. And his jaw drops, because he's never had a woman come at him like Whoa. that. Whoa, brother. Yep. And uh, he's going to learn. So we get a, uh, we go, we cut right to the restaurant and there's some beautiful stained glass and somebody's in there playing a harp and it's. Because that happens at restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. Haven't we all been to a a French bistro with a a harpist playing 60 feet in the air? Like, the fuck? What kind of building is this, first of all? Anyway, everyone's, it's high end French food and everything. And um, the kind of place, you know, that Vince would spend the whole time talking to the bartender. Cause those yeah, are right. His, his people, right? No, I don't like talking to oh. fucking fancy French fuckers. Yes. Like the real people. You know, those lowbrow yeah. busboys. Yeah, that's you, Vince. Sure uh, thing. Yeah. Sure thing. Do you, um, do you have to get in an airplane to go get your hair cut? So... Hulk walks in with an open collar, all white suit on. What the fuck is he wearing? What is this? It's flattering. What is this it's flattering. Ensemble? It's flattering. For, who wears for all white? Someone who looks like Hulk Hogan. Yes. I mean, you know, you got to have a certain over-the-top, like, starting point to pull that off. But he does. He looks like a fucking walking carnival. So he's coming in, and you hear the Madame Merci and everything like that, and the menus are presented to him and Joan Severance, and um, he, they kind of drop the menu in front of Hulk, like in an attitudinal right. way, as if to suggest you don't belong here, so I'm not going to give you the... You are a professional wrestler. Right. You are fuck. You are shit. <laughs> you are a fuck. Hey, did you, hey, before you keep going, Cloud, did you know that Roland Barth wrote about wrestling? I don't pay attention to bullshit about Barth. (laughs) I'm saying to you right now, Mr. Pro Wrestler, that you are fuck. You are shit. You are the dung beneath my shoes. You are shit on you. Right now, I I put my pants down and I shit (laughs) on you. And I quote, and I quote, not sure this has ever been said before. In the history of language, <clears throat> you are fuck. <laughs> Let that simmer like a good uh, bully boss. <laughs> so, yes. She says, I hope there's something in the menu you like. And he says, Madame, may I recite the specialty du jour? And he goes down and down and he says, uh, you know... Um, uh, soup du jour, hot hors d'oeuvres, we only live to serve, everything else. <laughs> Be our guest, madame. Mademoiselle, as for you, I think we have some crusty bread. 
so great. So yeah, the um, the staff member of from the Plaza oh, from the Plaza Hotel and Home Alone Two gives <laughs> you the menu in French. In French, um, and um, the guy who scans um, <laughs> Miss Miss McAllister. <laughs> What's his name? Tim what? Tim Tim Curry. <laughs> So, so Tim Curry hands Hulk Hogan his menu. Have a lovely day. <laughs> Tim Curry. That pops me every time that that's his name. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Jeez. Curry. Pizza. And a, and a pizza. Since I know that's what you little American fox... Right. So the Raider recommends a quiche. Well, well the best part is, I, I love this bit. You get the, um, you, you, you get a, like a, either a water boy or a bus boy or something who tries to get yeah. Rip's attention. Right. You know, it's very funny. And, you know, I, I, I'm, and the waiter just pushes him away. Continually acting snooty. <laughs> yeah, because he's you know? about to expose the fact that Hulk is cultured and everybody in the restaurant right. besides this new waiter knows him. And uh, he's making a fucking fool out of himself in the restaurant right. by treating Hulk Hogan this way. So he recommends the quiche and he looks to him and says, that's cheese pie with snails. The snails to you. Like, you don't know what quiche is. Um, so snails? That's like an... Did he say quiche I, and escargot maybe? I don't know why he said... I mean, I've I've... I've had quiche. Quiche before. does not automatically come with snails. No, it does not. Usually, I mean, I've never actually had quiche with, yeah. you know, eggs and seafood don't really go together. Not really. So, hmm. yeah, at least not on my, you know, not on my watch anyway. Yeah. But. I, uh, the only time I had quiche was when uh, I created him in uh, SmackDown vs. Raw. <laughs> so he's there and, um. He he looks to Hogan and, um, of course, with a high degree of condescension, says, I believe Monsieur is looking for the hamburger Americana or footlong hot dog. So that's the only two things he'll eat. Ah, uh, yes, of course, because he's what American. A, what a burn. Hulk Hogan, as you've never seen him before. For, I mean, for a reason. A, yeah, it is a French restaurant, but we are still in America. Right. Yes. Uh, and the chef... Uh, bus out of the kitchen because word has gotten to him apparently that Rip Thomas is in the restaurant and he looks to this waiter who's given Hogan a hard time he says you should have said our friend is here can't, and she can't believe it that Rip Thomas would know how to French cuisine so that's all now she's wet between the legs and it's not going to take yep. very long for him to score. oh yes she is <laughs> she's she's a towering example between your thighs and it's all it takes in the 80s ooh you're not quite what you appear Let's mm. let's do this. Yeah. Oh, dude. <laughs> yeah, he's enthusiastic as hell on the other end, isn't he? So, uh, yes. <laughs> I just love that he still calls her dude and brother. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> that's pretty money. Yeah. Hitting on a girl and calls her brother. <laughs> <laughs> on a woman, I should say. Not to suggest yeah. he'd hit on girls. Um, so, Masoya Le Rip, they call him. The usual. The and, rip, yeah, a little wee wee, and the raise of the eyebrows, and indeed, uh, the you usual know, is on its way to Rip Thomas. Yeah, you, je m'appelle Rip Thomas, dude. <laughs> wee wee, brother, and uh, mercy, dude. No mercy, dude. 
So, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm watching this scene, and I'm overcome with a thought. Oh, boy. Someone needs to tell John Cena that you shouldn't actually aspire to be a real-life version of this character in this oh, at yeah. this table at No Holds Barred, okay? This oh, is yeah. a joke. This is uh, a satire, almost. As anyone who has seen uh, Total Divas knows... With, where John Cena wears a three-piece suit in the, <coughs> middle, in the middle of the day on a Tuesday in his house in Tampa can attest. Hulk, John Cena wants to be who Hulk Hogan is in this scene. Yes. It's, it's not a movie to him. It's, it's an actual life aspiration because he doesn't see this as camp. He sees this no. as sort of a surprise twist on what someone would expect from a rough-and-tumble wrestler. And John, John. I'm going to give you a little bit of advice, okay, pal? Mm-hmm. If you want to really succeed in life, you got to follow Hogan. <laughs> you don't want right? to tell me that ever since I started. No. But what I want, but what I think you should do is you got to follow Hogan and No Holds Barred because that's really Hulk Hogan right there, dude. Pal. What? You know, just like, just like obsessed with okay because he has to dress as a teenager and a child in the wrestling ring yes he way overcompensates on the formality in his private life it's fucking ridiculous it's like it's the most uh what's the word i'm looking for it's the not annoying as much as it is it's like it just gnaws at you to grading carry grading thank you grating to see him carry on that way in this desperate quest to flip perceptions of him on their head. It's like people barely no. care who you really are. They definitely don't care if Nobody you're more cares. than meets the eye. You know what I mean? You start... You're a fucking loser. You're a fucking wrestler. Get over yourself. <laughs> Just stop. Tell, you know, stop like over adorning your personal life because you know that the character you're known Except for is Except that you're on the bottom of the barrel. 17. Right. Where the fucking nasty boys are. Well, now it's time for business to pick up. It's time for a fight scene. We cut to Joe Ledoux and his bald, sweaty head, and in slow motion, he headbutts with another wrestler in the center of the uh, the frame. Nice tight shot of that, and it's time to get violent. Uh, we're in a bar, kind of a honky-tonk kind of bar. There's tires everywhere for some reason. This is just a complete fucking shit show bar. That looks like Mad Dog Vachon there. It does. I thought that's who it was at first, but I it's in too. fact Joe Ledoux who looks quite similar and played quite a similar character as a matter of fact. Kind of a Joss saloon Ledoux. feeling here. Yeah, Joss Ledoux. Kind of a saloon feeling here. They're screaming. Kind of. Yeah. It is a saloon. It's a bar. They're screaming at the ring. Like, tell them, rip them up. They're, they're... The well, rope... this, um, what I want to what I want to portray mm. is where wrestling was before we brought it out of it. Oh, ain't that the truth? All right, smoke everywhere. Of course, the ring the ring ropes are made out of actual rope, you know, like brown rope. Right, and it looks like the it looks like the ring my my friend's dad made for him in his wood shop. And uh, that's the thing about this, like this ring, you know, the opening scene, of course, is in a traditional. WWF ring, but these right. fights are all in these like rings that they just created out of thin air. This this idea of an eight sided ring in, in and 1988. Um, I know, crazy. And there's um like 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 the turnbuckles for this bar scene. Yep. Are um uh beams from the ceiling. 
beam from the ceiling, but also tires. Yeah. They put tires around the beams, yep. like to be the pads. That's right. So here comes Kurt Fuller and his cronies into this bar. They walk down into the basement, and um, he looks around and says, America, don't you just love it? Yes. Oh, and yeah. uh, the waitress comes out. and this, um, is fucking, this is fucking wacky. One of the goons says, our party would like to be seated, and she snorts like she has a <laughs> nose full of mucus. And, and she says, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think she says, are you guys high? No, she says, are you guys cops? Oh, she says that? I like mine better. Because she knows their uh, headquarters are in Cobb County, so she's highly suspicious. Are you the boss man? And then she says, you must be looking for the gay bar across the street. Are you guys cops? No. Then you must be looking for the gay bar. The gay bar's across the street. And as you pointed out, boss, at that point, they have to call cut because Vince is cackling at the top of his lungs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> God damn. God damn it. Gays. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Oh, that comedy. Good, that good shit? Fucking medicine. That is some meaty-ass shit there. God damn it. Oh, sorry, we gotta go again. Fuck it. Get it again. All right. So, it's, like, fucking ridiculous. So, they all sit the down. Gay bars across the street. Fucking Christ. Because they all look gay. Right. So, they all sit down. They order what? They order a very dry martini oh, and a scotch and rocks. Goddamn, goddamn queers only wearing suits. <laughs> Fuck that. Yeah. Scotch hey, you and, know what? Queering don't make the world work. Yeah, well, you know, I'm surprised they didn't cast Ole Anderson for this. I really am. He would have fit perfectly in this bar. You'd have <laughs> these guys going. <laughs> then you have this guy over here. What the fuck is this asshole doing? Yeah. I'm fucking junior and they're trying to drink the goddamn beer and they're fucking. <laughs> and they're doing fucking, and they're fucking going There's out your character depth. Fucking. The fuck is this shit? I'm gonna fucking stomp some people in their fucking balls out there. I'm gonna go there. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna tell them to take a shit in the goddamn ring. I'm gonna pick up the shit. I'm gonna put it in their fucking mouths. I'm gonna make them eat it and swallow my own shit. This fucking place sucks. I goddamn hate this place. I want to drink some beer and fucking die. That's incredible. I love it. I fucking love it. So, I love you for that. <laughs> As it were. So, they're ordering high end drinks from the. And they get laughed at. Um, <laughs> and they say that. Reminds me of that, that scene. Seen in uh, uh, Back to the Future Part Three. Yeah, it's like, uh, can I can I have a, can I have a, can I have a water? Ain't no water. All we got here is whiskey. <laughs> that might be what they were going for. As a matter of fact, yeah. they basically say what you I'm ordered saying, ain't gonna happen here, so they just say three beers, okay? And all right. Well, we don't serve fancy drinks here. All right, if you want a drink, you got to drink what a man drinks, not one of them goddamn gays across the street. Mm-hmm. You gotta drink beer. That's what we got here. We got beer, and that's what we drink. We also have a little person sitting in the rafters of the bar. So For no, absolutely no reason. They have a midget sitting um, above, you know, in the, like a, on a monkey swing hanging from the rafters, and he's doing things. He's writing things down on a little chalkboard he's got in his lap, and I don't know what the fuck he's doing up there. So the fight is continuing, and um, 
let's see, into the rope. They go right into the ropes in front of these guys from the World Television Network. And uh, one of the guys, the Stooges, turns to Fuller and says, Are you really serious, Mr. Brawl? These guys are animals. And then you have the first uh, visage of Stan Hansen calling out. Yeah. He's screaming into the ring, Hammer him, Big Joe, hammer that dog. Stan Hansen is in a belly shirt for some reason. I don't know. I've got this. He's chewing tobacco. Uh, this movie, by the way, got Stan Hansen a SAG card, and uh, that won him some health insurance for a while until I believe it lapsed in 1993, as he said in his book. Did it really? Um, yeah. No shit. He, wow. he says, I wasn't a performer anymore, which I would highly disagree with. And so um, finally, excuse me, sir, he stands up. Uh, he's going to talk down to Stan Hansen, I guess. I don't know what he's going to do. So Stan Hansen yeah. spits tobacco on his black loafers and... He's trying to get a word on where the referee is, one of the stooges with Kurt Fuller. He's kind of disturbed by what he's seeing. And uh, Stan Hansen says, the referee, he's at the bar drinking beer. And we cut to the guy in zebra stripes, sure enough, uh, imbibing. And uh, he says, the referee's supposed to be outside. He goes, yeah, but what about the rules? And Stan Hansen says, the rules, last one standing wins. And just don't kill nobody, and that's it. I love this idea that there is... um that in dark and dirty bars is where real wrestling happens. Real fighting. You know, well, this is wrestling. Right, right, right. The the shoot version <clears throat> of what we watch on TV. You know, like, it's not, it's not like fighting. This is wrestling. I'll say it right now, and I'm going to develop this as the rest of this goes. I find it highly unlikely that the conceivers of the first Ultimate Fighting Championship did not see this movie. Because I'll be damned if the whole feeling around how this tournament comes together, the battle of the tough guys, isn't exactly in line with the marketing of the very first UFC tournament. No shit. The there are no rules days, the rule, the days of we're going to scout the, the planet for people who purport to be the toughest due to barroom reputations, all the no way shit. down to wow. the eight-sided ring and the eight-sided octagonal fence. And I swear to God, you can hear these words coming out of somebody like Campbell McLaren's mouth, who was pretty much the first executive producer of the UFC, or a Bob Myrowitz, or Dave Isaacs, or any of those other guys that kind of conceptualized Art Davey, of course, this idea of this battle of the people who purported to be the baddest once yeah. and for all. And there were some things like the UFC before the UFC regionally. There was, there was actually a hell of a Showtime documentary on something very similar that was going down in Pittsburgh uh, in, in the late 80s that very well could have inspired... Uh, these directors or perhaps this movie inspired the fight league though i don't think i think the fight league came a year or two earlier than this but it's amazing how as this movie develops and as they form the concept of the tournament that zeus wins before he faces hogan that they use a lot of the same language and visuals and call upon the same kind of emotions yeah. that the ufc ended up doing all those years later in 1993 so anyway uh we have uh, Stan Hansen, you know, kind of saying the, the rules of the last one standing wins, which is as UFC one as it gets. And Fuller goes, uh, those are my kind of rules. As one of the men in the ring gets tossed onto a wooden table from the ring and takes a big bump. And Fuller's looking around like a Campbell McLaren with his eyes wide open yep. and seeing dollar signs. Tell you, brother, <coughs> he, I'll give you, I'll tell you what he says to uh, Stan Hansen. If you take on that guy in the ring, he'll give him money. Hansen grabs the dollars and launches mm. himself into the ring and he um, spits in uh, Joe Ledoux's face and starts taking him on. And sure enough, you, you better believe your ass. Right here in No Holds Barred, Stan Hansen tucks in the Stan Hansen lariat. It That's happens crazy. in a split second, but you yep. can see it. He throws it. And um, 
Then there's a um, woman uh, that we see who, for no reason, smashes um, an Asian guy's head into a table. Yep. I don't, you know why? No, yep. why they're fighting? And then all of a sudden, uh, uh, Joe Ledoux gets kicked out of the ring and bumps a table. Uh, the 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 little person from the rafters tosses a key down, opens it with his hand, and then pours the keg onto his face, a keg of beer. Um, the guys at ringside, Kurt Fuller and company, say this is sick. But look at this, the well, people the, love it. The, my big David Bamber goes, my God, who are these people? <laughs> and uh, and uh, Ordway says, this is sick. Exactly. Thank you. Who are these people? This is. And then the the, uh, the little person writes smile on his chalkboard. Mm. And they all say, what? what? Why? What was he in this movie for? And then um, the whole uh, cabal says they have to go to the bathroom. The Stooges do. <clears throat> so they all make their way to the can. Yeah. So they head over there. They walk yep. over a guy who's basically dead on the floor to get there to the bathroom. Yeah. And um, somebody says, excuse me, pal. What do I go to bleed the old lizard? Because he's trying to sound cool. It's one of the Stooges. Where do I go to bleed the old lizard? And he goes, in your pants, wimp. So That's again, right. This movie's fixation on peeing in your pants. Just what is going on? And just the fact yeah, that yeah. we have to have the scene at all is as Vince as it gets. Well, I mean, we gotta. We this is what men do. Men urinate. Men shit. <laughs> all right. And, and I think we're getting down. We're getting down to the the darkest depths of what humanity is all about. Mm-hmm. So that's why all the programming on shit. the network for men was shit. I uh, get it now. That's right. <laughs> you're out here, yeah. You know, see, and, and spike, a spike in the ass. I think back to um, you know, the GTV stuff. Remember that short-lived yes. thing? They had the surveillance camera. They and it was like it was all toilet humor. They had Big Show taking a leak. On the secret camera, and it was supposed to be well, funny. The, the weird part was all the cameras were in the bathrooms, so there Absolutely. was a lack of privacy there. Right. It goes and goes and goes to just last year, I think it was, when they had uh, Drake Maverick as manager of the uh, authors of Pain on Raw wet his pants when he was confronted, and they made a. They thought it was hilarious. They just well, had see, when 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 someone urinates himself, it's it's funny because the man who does it is a loser. <laughs> I think you just fucking nailed it, boss. I think you just fucking nailed it. (laughs) So we see a guy get thrown on a pool table with a right hand. Cowboys are fighting. People in there zipping their flies in the bathroom. Um, There's a sign. uh, I think it's um, spray painted on the wall. It says VD room. Yeah. And there's Yo Mama. Yeah. It says wash your hands. It's the law. And the sign that says uh, no hippies or punks. And, okay. and there's a dog in there. There's a dog on a leash in the bathroom. Yes. So they're all, of course, Ordway and whatever the other guy's name is, they're both horrified. This, the is, this, is, this is edgy. Hmm. Uh, this is what the edge is all about. Just... Right, Adam Copeland? This is what you're all about, <laughs> right, pal? We're really channel- channeling you here. It looks like an abandoned warehouse in there. Yeah. And the urine, they have those old style urinals that aren't individual, but a big, long running, almost tub that you piss in next to the guy next to you. And yep. one of them is completely clogged and running over to the point you hear, you know, that the trickle, the trickle of piss falling off the edge of one of these uh, urinals. And they look at each other and go, do you really have to go? Yes. I mean, 
he says, these are the most subhuman people I've ever encountered. <coughs> so they're standing at the urinal, yucking it up about how dumb all these people are. And then they hear another noise. Yep. And certainly that causes one to piss on his pants because that's yep. funny. So I think it's the third time someone's wet their pants in this movie or talked about pissing in their pants. And then Hanson is in there. Stan Hanson. He's taking a shit because that's funny. And he pops up in the stall. And he goes, who you calling an idiot, you maggot? And he grabs their necks. Oh, my God. And then he really brings it home. He leaves no doubt as to who is writing this thing. No. He looks down at the crotches of both stooges. Yep. And what does he say? Um, I don't remember exactly what, what he says. What do we got here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's curious about about the size of these of these uh, 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 two stooges. A teeny wanger. And here's another. It ain't even worth no. it. Now, Stan, what I want you to do is I want you to look at both men's penises and make fun of how small they are. All right? That's what men do. Yeah. And that is what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Because we are a motion picture about men. All right? Dominating, fearful men. Do it. Do it, Hanson. Make fun of the tiny cock. What do we got here? A teeny wanger, and here's another. It ain't even Say worth it. Tiny cock. Tiny cock. Yes. Yeah. Yes, damn it. Tiny cock. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like tiny lister, if you think about yeah. it. Tiny cock lister. <laughs> yeah, damn it. Ah. Tiny cock. What do we got here? A teeny wanger, and here's another. It ain't even worth it. He jerks him off and leaves the bathroom. Uh, Cut to Brell at the press conference on the podium, uh, announcing UFC 1. Next month, we premiere the Battle of the Tough Guys. Not too far from the Colossal Tussle. Not too far. Kurt Fuller says this tournament is open to any red-blooded American man who's got the guts to get in the ring and we cut to a welder who hears the call we cut to a guy with an eye patch um, playing pool and he hears the the call out on the television and the winner will receive $100,000 tax free what okay whoa whoa. what was that yeah tax free how could a promoter guarantee that something's going to be tax free that has nothing to do with him like what does that mean tax free it's impossible to Am I missing something? Is it a charitable donation? Like, what the fuck is he talking about? I know. Why would he say tax-free? I don't get that. That must be like a laugh line for somebody. I I don't... Because it doesn't make any sense at all. What the fuck he's talking about? IRS are fuckers. Is that what it is? Maybe because all of them are independent contractors? (laughs) Well, they still pay taxes on their wages. Yes. Now, that's a good point, though. The Vince IRS thing. That could very well be it. Yeah. A little nudge at them. A little knock. Um, um, but there's a uh, one of the uh, one of the 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 the, the fighters that yeah. is introduced to to Fuller. His name is Rock Chisler. Sounds a little bit like uh, Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> well, all these names of these fighters in this movie, they all sound like people in the WBF. Sounds huh. like the names Vince gave those guys when he creates these characters out of whole cloth. Oh, let, let, let's create a character named Gary Stridham. Yeah. <laughs> By the time by the time he's done loading up, he's gonna need Gary Stride X on his back. Yes. 
so uh, we get a guy who goes into his truck, his 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 eighteen wheeler, to listen to the radio of Kurt Fuller making the challenge and laying out the terms of engagement. He says you must eliminate your opponent in an octagonal ring. He says octagonal. How UFC is that? And um, they get uh, the arena. We see a big neon sign with the WTN logo on it. Battle of the tough guys. It also has a lot of vestiges of Shotgun Saturday Night, the initial sure. concept of the show, does it not? So we're inside the same bar as before, but now there's TV cameras everywhere, production people are milling about with headsets on, they're turning this saloon into an actual set, and um, there's Brock Chisler. And um, I'm trying to remember this. There's Bulldog McPherson as well, um, and there's Klondike Kramer. Now, Klondike Kramer is Pete Doherty, the Duke of Dorchester, who you would know yep. from WWF shots at uh, Boston Garden throughout the 80s. Um, local guy, would participate on cards. I think he had one shot on a Saturday night's main event in 86, if not 85. Wow. Yep. But other than that, he was like the guy that, you know, would, would join the crew when they came to his part of the country. Pretty much a job guy, but kind of a cult guy in the area. And they used to have guys like that in different um, pockets. A Duke Adorant of Dorchester. Remember, he got the Ring of, Ring of Honor show one time and said, the best people in the world are from Dorchester. Everybody's like, yeah, fuck. It was in Dorchester, yeah. of course. Yeah, no. The armory no, on Victory Road. That's like the worst kind of people. <laughs> There's only one place in the world that would get a pop, and it was right yeah, there. exactly. Um, <laughs> you have Klondike Kramer spraying himself with something. I don't know what it is. Hairspray? I don't know why he's spraying. I don't know. He's deodorizing. Um, and then you have Hanson, and he sees the Stooges again, and he says, well, if it ain't the teeny wangers... And he's now with his sister. His sister, since we last saw her, has completely corroded her teeth. And I remember so vividly that this character has awful teeth, this this, yes. this waitress. But sure enough, when you first see her in the movie, when she greets Kurt Fuller and his stooges upon their first arrival at the bar and makes the gay bar reference and things like that, her, yeah. teeth, her teeth are just fine. Yeah. They're completely, you know, not noticeable. So... I don't know what the fuck happened here. If she was supposed to have the rotten teeth all along, if we're supposed to suppose something happened in the interim that caused the teeth rot, but I thought her teeth were always this awful. It turns out it's just this revisited no, scene. Just this, yeah, she just developed it over the course. She just of developed show. it. Okay. She's so she backs him up when he says "teeny wanger." She says "tiny." So Kurt Fuller introduces uh, Doherty. And uh, gets run into the tires, grabs him by the crotch, throws him down on the floor. It's not really a mat. It makes the noise more no. on the floor. Yeah. Doherty now pouncing on this lumberjack guy. They're in with each other throwing punches. Doherty stumbles around, takes a backdrop on the table, and it tips over. And uh, Burrell turns around and says, what do you like best? No, one of the uh, Burrell's guys turns to him and says, which one do you like best? He goes, all of them. They're all yeah. scum. Burrell, which one do you like best? All of them. They're all scum. <laughs> Which I fucking loved. And uh, then, and then, and then. Yep, yep. It's time for the mood to change. Suddenly, while the battle of the tough guys, <laughs> television production is carrying on. Yes. This fight is ongoing. A garage door of sorts crashes down. It's fucking slams down. A huge boom Everybody averts their gaze. Everyone turns to what this noise was. And through a smoky, heavily backlit scene, into the foreground, steps Zeus. Zeus. 
we see Zeus for the first time here at no holds barred. Fuller's eyes narrow as soon as he sees him, like he wants to fuck him, basically. And know, here right? he comes. Boom, boom, boom. And this woman walks up to oh him. I don't know God. what the fuck she's doing, why she's getting in his face. But she she's does. a waitress. Yeah, she can take his order. Like, what the fuck? This guy clearly isn't here for uh, the steak frites. And uh, <laughs> he yeah, snatch- <laughs> he's up kind of on a, pla- a podium, like a platform, kind of like the uh, the stage above the ECW arena used to be. Yeah. And yeah. he grabs this waitress by the face. He lifts her up. Like, literally grabs her by the face. <laughs> yeah. Like the Iron Claw, except you levitate somebody. Right, and also the whole face. The whole face is engulfed by Tiny Lister's massive hand, and then he just drops her straight down, and she crashes into like a a barrel. A a fucking barrel. It just shatters. Hashtag me too. He fucking brutalizes this woman, and no one is concerned. No. This woman isn't a fighter in the Tough Guys tournament. She's not even a, you know, a a bar... you know, a bar regular that likes to get into fights. It's just a no. waitress, and no one does shit about it. And Fuller smiles. He likes what he sees, and we get a tight mm-hmm. shot on Zeus and his eyes, and then we get a tight shot on Kurt Fuller and his eyes, and a connection has been made, I think it's safe to say. And then Zeus makes those thudding footsteps down the steps from the platform he was standing yeah. on, and Fuller goes, let him fight. And we hit basically Sid Justice's music, as he jumps into the ring, swipes Doherty with a clean right, and all you hear is him screaming, ah, ah, everything he does, ha, ah, ah, every time. He grabs the uh, Pete Doherty by the throat and gives him the ghetto massage, as uh, Tiny Lister would call it in, in real life, and uh, Doherty kind of punches him to try to break, and Zeus drops him and swipes him to the mat with one shot, lifts Doherty up with a gorilla press, and tosses him into... The crowd. Are, are you ready for this, by the way? Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned you're talking about Pete Torty at, at, at Saturday Night's Main Event. It's not just a random episode in 1986. No. He wrestles, I mean, he wrestles on the first ever Saturday Night's Main Event. I knew there was something to it. I know it was the in first May ele- In, in May, uh, that was taped on May 10th, 1985. And technically, even though, you know, Hulk Hogan taking on uh, uh, Bob Orton for the he, WWE Championship was certainly the main event. It was the number two match. the show? Pete Doherty closed the show. Ladies and fucking gentlemen, against, against whom? Junk wa- junkyard, the, the junk food dog. My God, that's that's no small assignment. Uh-uh. For one of Dorchester's finest. He can technically say he main evented the first Saturday's main event. Very good. So we, you know, I remember as a kid feeling really bad for the guys that Zeus beats up. As much yes. of brutes as they were, suddenly they were like these vulnerable, like little play yep. toys to me. The way they framed this thing. Hey, hell, if this, if the intended audience was impressionable six-year-old kids, they nailed it. I'll tell you that. I'm not sure that was the intended audience is the problem. So we cut from that scene to Rip, Rip Thomas's home, and they're all watching television this thing on tv eating snacks on a very tiny television for a multi-millionaire world it is champion. a very small television even for 1989 absolutely it is like and, uh, dude come on man they're all watching and one of the guys makes a comment what do you think rip you think you could take this guy and uh, zeus is in there continuing to swat everything that moves stan hansen gets in the ring he has his punch caught and uh, zeus powers him down <coughs> and um 
Fuller's cronies like that. They like to see Stan Hansen getting his after he made fun of their teeny wangers. No, Hansen likes to. I mean, anyone who watched this movie who's a wrestler, fucking love to see Hansen get beat his get his ass kicked. It, right. You yeah. know, Vader's happy to see this as well. For example, so you get this, and they cut back, and there's a sense of familiarity back at Hogan's house because apparently uh, the trainer of Hogan also trained the Stan Hansen character. And Hogan says, "Is that?" Trainer says, I never thought they'd, lead, they'd let him out. I was his trainer for a while. I couldn't control him. No, this is Zeus he's talking about, not Stan Hansen. Yeah, no, no, he's talking about Zeus. Yes, so Charlie. Charlie, Charlie Hogan's Jesus. trainer, also knows Zeus. And he says, I was his trainer for a while, but I couldn't control him. Then I heard he killed some kid in the ring after the bell. And what is this, Vern's speech and the wrestler? No. So uh, Hogan peers at the TV. He realizes the showdown is now inevitable, and Zeus has Hanson on his knees and throws a Mongolian chop. Hanson is now out cold. Zeus reaches down and rips a tuft of hair out of Stan Hanson's head. Mick Foley takes careful notes somewhere in Long Island. <laughs> and he points the hair at everyone in his fist and screams, screams at them as he puts... Uh, this scalp on display. Kurt Fuller gets in the ring, announces Zeus the winner of the $100,000 and the champion of the Battle of the Tough Guys. And uh, there we go. Yeah. Um, tight shot on the TV, tight shot on Hogan's eyes. And there we go. We now cut to the boardroom of yes. World Television Network. They're all reading uh, newspaper headline coverage of the Battle of the Tough Guys. Yeah. Headline... Uh, Zeus, ex-con Zeus, thriller or killer? I mean, he's a wrestler, isn't he? A current con? <laughs> Not an ex-con? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Once a con, always a con. So, this is the, the newspaper is the Midwest Gazette. And, of course, I, f I immediately paused to read what else. <laughs> what, what else was on the page besides the coverage of the Zeus tournament? But, hell... Even the Zeus tournament story under the headline has nothing to do with Zeus. Um, this is actually something I never even knew about until I started Googling the verbiage that appears in this dummy newspaper they're reading in this scene. Um, it's articles that appear um, in in other movies and other settings really? as, yes, as prop newspaper articles. Apparently, this exact article that appears under the Zeus headline is... Um, part of the decoration on the wall at the Tower of Terror ride at Walt Disney. This oh exact verbiage. God. It says something like a suggestion, a suggestion that public hearings on applications be limited to once every six months was uh, uh, under advisement, taken under advisement by the commission. That's what the article says, a graph of it. Wow. And um, there's like uh, in the Hollywood Howard Tower Hotel, part of the Tower of Terror thing, they have this newspaper, this fake newspaper called the Los Angeles Examiner that's kind of like you know, an old yellowed newspaper clipping on this abandoned hotel wall that you can read. No shit. And the headline is Berlin calls U.S. policies two-faced there. And apparently it's also, um, there's like an entire reproduction of this article online because it also appears in Back to the Future, which of course is a movie that people geek out about frame by frame. Um, mm -hmm. There's totally. a scene where Marty McFly is handed a flyer to quote-unquote save the clock tower, and that flyer has a newspaper clipping in it. And this is the same story in that news clipping, the same one that appears in the coverage of Zeus's dominant performance. That's really funny. So there you go. So apparently there's a, a standard issue prop newspaper being passed around Hollywood that uh, the No Holds Barred folks got their hands on for this purpose. And um, yeah. I was not aware of that. That's hilarious. It's fun. It's fun to think about. I always love that. I always love freezing 
like whenever a printed yep. word appears in a movie. Yes. I mean, people remember one of the most rewarding um, things in that regard to ever happen for wrestling fans was when WWE released the self-destruction of the Ultimate Warrior DVD documentary that that hatchet job on him. Yes. They actually included newspaper articles about him skipping shows and missing towns, which is part mm-hmm. of the way they disparaged him. And sure enough, they gimmicked the article. They gimmicked mm-hmm. the articles to say something they did not say at that time. And they also gimmicked, we talked about this in the WrestleMania journey, um, newspaper coverage of Lawrence Taylor's appearance at WrestleMania 11 in 1995. They, oh, these shit. motherfuckers put real newspaper clippings of what was, you know, a decently covered story at the yeah. time. They put it in their documentary and they fucking whited out the F and put E. Yes, that they do. In these yes. reproductions of old newspaper articles. So, worth doing. So everyone's sitting in the uh, the WTN boardroom silently reading and captivated by the coverage of what had happened in the Battle of the Tough Guys. And here comes Kurt Fuller. He's got the overnights in his hand and you better believe they're number one in their time yep. slot. That's right. And he says, just like Zeus, we... Uh, kick some ass and they all applaud mm. so um, they then talk about some telegrams that they've been receiving uh, to the public relations department complaints about the violence last night they had one parent say my son had violent nightmares after watching Battle of the Tough Guys another said um, other things that were negative and Fuller said they watched it didn't they Let that's right it doesn't talk. matter mm-hmm. all it does is keep us in the headlines that's right such a straightforward, cheesy dialogue. Keep us in the headlines. And then we cut to huge flames bursting on a set somewhere else. The World Television Network presents Battle of the Tough Guys Week 2. This is now taking place um, in a in a steelworks, as uh, was pointed out. I was like, this is some bizarre... I mean, this looks, I guess, the debut and the idea for the Boiler Room Brawl? Yeah, sure. It's almost you know? there. It's getting there. Jesus. It, um... It's weird. So week two now. So they're going to travel. They're on the road. The bar was week one, and now they're in this factory somewhere. And here's Lugrange Perkins, none other than the late Jeep Swenson, who, of course, we know um, from the Ultimate Solution mm-hmm. character in that um, Alliance to End Hulkamania from the 1996 Uncensored pay-per-view. Yeah. Um, Nazis. He, right. The Ultimate Solution. Um, and he was called the Final Solution at first, which, of course, is a direct Nazi reference, but they... WCW realized upon complaints to Turner Broadcasting that that had that connotation and switched the name. Swenson also appeared. In it's the world close class. enough. It's very it means close. the same thing. It means the same thing. That's correct. Uh, Swenson also appeared in the World Class Journey. He was around World Class in eighty-seven, eighty-eight. We talked about him in the, the uh, Lamentable Tragedy briefly, and he had a feud with Bruiser Brody. Um, he of course died in nineteen ninety-seven of heart failure at forty years old. Um, attendees at the funeral included Hulk Hogan. As a matter of fact. Mm. He also did a lot of movie work, and James Caan came to his funeral as well. Um, so, yeah, that's that. Um, they have the champion who has come to this industrial arena to battle the lug wrench on his own <laughs> turf. It is Zeus. So uh, he's now got an Iron Mesh shirt on, kind of like in a Scott Steiner shirt. And uh, he's got the Z on his belt that we all know mm-hmm. and love now. He's got, he's got the, full, the full costume that we would know him in the WWF ring with. He swings a piece of metal and misses, does lug wrench, and um, let's see, he sidesteps. Fuller is watching uh, in his leather chair at home this time. He's not on set. Yep. One of the um, one of the cameras in that studio is um, Ordway filming the television with his own camcorder. Oh, my. 
I don't know why they even show this. They, they just show that one of the Stooges is filming the TV set. Um, Fuller says, you've given me an idea. Zeus can be yeah. led and we will lead him, he says. Zeus is in there throwing hands, choking the guy with a massive wrench. He knees him in the crotch, throws big punches and headbutts, screaming, of course, Mongolian chop. The guy falls to his knees. I felt bad for him. I felt like he was really going to kill the yep. guy. Um, everyone, um, it's all the onlookers, all these factory workers and hard hats can't believe the violence they're witness to. The guy eventually is knocked to the floor and he's unconscious face down on the cement with a cloud of smoke around his head. And Zeus, of course, screams. Yep. Um, we then cut to a white limo outside of Rip Thomas's house. And um, uh, Samantha is, on, is in the limo on the phone. Hogan opens the door in denim, of course, denim spandex, and says, I want you to meet so my brother ridiculous. Randy. Randy oh comes God. over. She shakes his hand. They, off they go, and they're taxiing into a, onto a private plane. And I don't she, know where they're going. Do we ever find out where they're going? I don't remember. I have no we, idea we have what, all these scenes, but we don't know what they're doing together. Yeah. I mean, I, I assume they're acting on her game plan of doing the publicity tour for him and all that that she laid out in the board scene at the very beginning when he was checking her out. Um, so it's taxing in the plane and she's running down his itinerary for the trip with him and the stairs come down. Hogan is um, taking her to dinner and um, the waitress serves him and um, uh, this is, oh, this is the, the waitress that he knew from back in the yep. day. This is the diner scene, yes. And she says, you couldn't ask for a better guy or a greater guy. She's putting him over big time and mm-hmm. her name is Sadie. And he said if it wasn't for... Uh... If it wasn't for uh, 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 her husband, she'd be fucking ripped. <laughs> yeah, that's essentially what she says. And he says, Sadie, you're a whole lot of a woman. And she, uh, Samantha and cleans, <laughs> cleans the fork that is uh, the article we read in the yep. first part pointed out is kind yep. of suggesting that she's too lazy to clean the dishware that she's distributing to customers. Um, and that, yeah, she says, you know, if I wasn't married, haha, turn me loose. And uh, she says to Samantha, you ought to latch onto this one right now, honey. And at this point, the place is robbed. Robbers break in with those yeah, clear masks on. Because Pulp Fiction. Because Pulp Fiction, yes. Before Pulp Fiction, as a matter of fact. <laughs> I know. So they come in with their masks. Who fucking robs a diner? <laughs> Someone who wants greasy cash in small right. denominations. Uh, I want come... my cash to smell like frying oil. Oh, oof, that hurts. Nobody move. I'll blow your heads off. The robber screams. And he says, when I move, hit the floor. And wow, Hogan's got a plan. He's not just going to attack these guys and stop them. He's going to throw pies at their faces. Hulk Hogan unloads with seven, eight pies whipped like fastballs across the diner into the faces of the robbers. Was this Vince's answer to the bar brawl on the wrestler? <laughs> Probably. It looks like his answer to the, uh, the snowball fight in Elf. Yeah, right. Like. So uh, then a gun goes off at one point. Hogan grabs the guy's wrist and points it at the ceiling so the bullet doesn't hit anybody. And then he throws a right hand, throws him along the uh, the long bar, and he takes out all the dishware and the glass on the way down. Everyone's food gets taken out as well. Uh, clothesline, and a guy bumps through a table off Hogan's clothesline. One sneaks up on Hogan, who, of course, is in this full is... wrestling boots. His His outfit is not just spandex denim but he's got actual wrestling boots on walking around in a, in a diner um, and let's see and he throws him over the awful. bar <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's not, not very great uh, throws him over the bar and does the hoof 
Um, Sadie's crying. She can't believe it. Um, and she's, But once uh, she realizes that Hogan has neutralized the threat, <coughs> she looks at him and says, I see you ain't lost your touch. That's my man. That's my man. Yeah, yeah. All these people are clapping for him and cheering for him. It's like, guys, these, these robbers aren't dead. They, right. they're, they're going to recover in seconds and get back up. Like, no one tries to call the cops, you know? Nobody tries to pile on the bad guys so they can't move. He, they just all stand back with smiles on their faces like the threat is not no longer present and give Hulk Hogan a standing ovation so that Samantha can get even further down the line of surrendering to him. Um, you got to see this guy in a jerry curl right behind Samantha who's clapping, mm-hmm. <laughs> clapping just performatively like you've never seen before. And she looks at him lovingly. And no one worries and no one calls the cops and everything's happy. We then cut to the hotel where Rip and Samantha are staying. Famous scene here. And uh, she's grousing about the the arrangements and how they're shoulder to shoulder. And he says, just remember, your office made the reservations. He's he's such a dick. Yeah. He he gives her a hassle the whole day. He plays hard to get. That's what he does. It's hilarious. Um, So Hogan's in his jammies. And he uses wrist tape to hang a blanket across the wall, across uh, the middle of the room, so that they're separate on the bed and don't have to face each other or see each other. Um, This is the kind of hotel room that um, Hulk Hogan would have shot steroids and done coke in, by the way. Right. And Uh, I I wouldn't doubt that Joan Severance shot Hogan up for him. Right. Right. So he uses the uh, the wrist tape to hang the blanket, and then uh, Samantha comes over and loads up and shoots one right into the... (laughs) Right into the scar tissue on his hip. Ah. Oh, God. Oh, brother. Oh, that one oh, hurt. Dude, you know, you know, you know I, I need you, to, <laughs> I need you to, to, you know, give me a warning beforehand, brother. A warning beforehand? <laughs> a warning beforehand quarters, Terry? What? Yes. Dude, I, I'm, 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 I'm. So as they're preparing to turn in, Hulk Hogan's going to brush his teeth. And I remember the toothbrushing scene so well. Him swishing mouthwash and breathing through his nose. Keep in mind, this is where Hogan is wearing his uh, yeah. pajamas that resemble the uh, strawberry banana split attire from <laughs> hey. 2002. He's got tie-dye pajamas on. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's why I always felt as a kid that his mustache probably smells like Listerine. Like a peppermint Listerine. Cause his, his... Imagine how fucking dirty that mustache is. <laughs> Fucking food and oil and (laughs) steroids. And of course, because she's mad that they have to sleep in such close quarters and because she's so less than interested in engaging him romantically, um, she steps uh, into the bedroom in complete brawn panties lingerie. Like like not only just bra and panties, but like sexy lingerie. Yeah, like her shoulder like strap is falling 80 off. 80 sexy lingerie. Like she might as well have just taken everything off. Right. And 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 I'll get the lights. <laughs> okay, Terry, you, know? you go get the lights. <laughs> For fuck's like, sake. And, and he kind of like kind of like tries a, a, a Hulk Hogan seductive walk to the lights. He's he such does. an asshole. <laughs> He's such a fucking asshole in this scene. And Hogan... um. When she walks in with that outfit on, he swallows the mouthwash. He had nowhere to spit it anyway. This guy's swishing right. mouthwash. He's not even in the bathroom. He's walking around the fucking the TV area of the hotel room. But anyway, that happens. That's supposed to be a scene. And um, <laughs> do you like your accommodations? She says, do I have a choice? No. 
No. So she gets into bed. Hogan on his side hey, sits your, on the your bed. place made up the room, dude. <laughs> You know, he sits on his I, side of the bed. He said, as long as you stay on your side of the bed, everything will be fine. Hogan, okay. why do they Why do they dislike each other so much? They, uh, he just saved her ass from fucking gun-toting robbers in a diner. They're doing, they're out there on the road tension, doing... It's sexual tension. Tension. There's really no reason. Sexualized. Yeah. Um, I love sex in the mouth. She just keeps giving him a hard time, even though he's doing exactly what she wants on this tour and he's going above and beyond to save her life it's like it why is she still what are you saying that she's that, that he's entitled for her to fucking well, I just get don't down think... and and and, no. and suck his junk i mean that's what it sounds like are you no. are you saying that because he did good things that she's obligated to service him yes no as a matter of fact i just think it's more realistic if she would i don't know be nice to him instead of i know I just know. like rude like and Rude in a way where you're be a like a decent person. Yeah, it's just it's. <clears throat> I understand that there might be some testiness in the character, but it's really weird that that testiness is more resilient. Well, I got than... testicles. <laughs> so anyway, um, where the hell were we? Okay, so he clutches his leg like it's girl talk time. Hogan on his side of the bed, and he says, "A beautiful girl like you doesn't have them lined up a mile long. Don't tell me you don't have a, a boyfriend." She says, "She doesn't." She says, "She's too busy to date." Can't have it all, right? Phyllis Schlafly, whatever. So uh, she, he goes, I must get, must get lonely. Yeah, sometimes. And Hulk says, yeah, I know. So they're both lonely because they're on and the road. That's right. They're road hounds. <laughs> and, um, they're road dogs. She says, don't patronize me. She feels patronized, as do we at the Lapsed Fan. <laughs> we are patronized, as a matter of fact, on that fucking cast. No holds barred. 30th Mother anniversary. Put it on the shelf. Shit. Nobody else ever needs to cover this subject again. Your co-chairman of service, the account, have left it used. Have 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 left it serviced. Abused. Correct. So the Fuck. lights go out. Hogan sits there. Time elapses, and then it's dusk. And um, Samantha wakes up and realizes <laughs> she hears a heavy breathing, a panting, and a pumping. And because the because bed is bouncing. Presumably, Hulk Hogan is masturbating next to her. Right, or fucking. I don't know what right. she thinks is happening, but the bed is certainly creaking. Uh. Uh, uh. And they find this way to shoot Hogan in a way. He's like leaning off the side of the bed doing push-ups with his feet on the bed. And he's pushing up with his hands on the floor. And, and I don't know what they're supposed to imply that. So they cut to this shot that yes. is a close-up of like, I would assume, the heels of his feet. Together like it's an ass. Together like it's an ass, I guess. But it doesn't look like an ass. And I also don't know what he'd be doing. Fucking what? Something off the edge of the bed. I I guess. Something beyond the plane of her very vision. Very bizarre. And But hey, look, while you can make the viewer of a film believe that two heels together might look like an ass, do you know how tiny of an ass that is to this character, Samantha? No, I know. <laughs> I don't care how big your feet are. No one's going to mistake like, it for an no entire one's ass. The heels for like especially when you get you know, and also where his legs for that matter. Right. If his ass is kind of like hanging above the bed. <laughs> Where are his feet? It looks like two rising legs. buns in right, the oven exactly. is what it looks like. So it's it's so. it's a famous visual from this movie, but goddamn, does it not make any sense? It's so fucking stupid. Uh, well, it turns out that Hogan wasn't jerking off or having sex. He's doing push-ups in the middle of the night, mm -hmm. like you do. 
His body is, in fact, glistening. His tanned body is glistening in the moonlight as he does it. <laughs> right. He's basically, he uh, basically has nothing on, as you do when you do push-ups in a hotel room. Well, he has his he has his little red undies on. Yeah, right. And he uh, and he and he stops for a moment. He turns to Sam and he says, "Don't wait up for me. Don't wait up for me." God. She lays she lays back down, smiling. She eventually falls asleep, and Hogan is standing in his thong. Like, what the fuck is like? Is that, I guess this is it. This is where Triple H gets his workouts in the middle of the night from, I guess. Oh, no shit. Yep. No holes barred. So Hulk decides it's time to turn in. She's out cold, <laughs> and instead of laying into bed and covering himself, he, he takes a flat him. back bump. He does. He bumps the he bed. Might as well. It's like it's like fucking Axe clotheslined him in the beginning match. Right? He fucking bumps. He bumps. The whole thing collapses. And when the bed breaks on his side, she rolls under the uh, divider, the dividing and, sheet, right on top of him. What the fuck are you doing? You <laughs> trying to get the pin, dude. Why are you trying to pin me, brother? Why are you rolling on top of me, dude? What's going on, man? Mm-hmm. Get the fuck off me, dude. You do not roll on top of Hulk Hogan while he's sleeping. You just don't fucking do it. She's damn lucky you, he wasn't what, asleep. What, 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 what happened here, man? What, you know, the bed broke, and all of a sudden you took advantage? That we... <laughs> Right. Like, let's not... Before you pretend you had no choice, there was that moment where you proactively decided to let this mishap you know, it's create like an bed, opportunity I mean, for you. I'm just going to say, you know, Samantha, you know, dude, it's not like the bed had, you know, <laughs> went to one side. You know, it went flat down, brother, and all of a sudden you're on top of me. You know, what What? What was going through your mind right there, dude? You're trying to... You know, I'm not trying to accuse you of anything. Right. Yet. But, you know, what... Um, <laughs> Yet, but you're walking on thin ice. Oh, but but you know I'm 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 just trying to get some rest. You know I did not make. You know you're accusing me of 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 things, but you know it's your company that made these reservations, dude. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden the bed breaks, we go down, and all of a sudden you're trying to roll on top of me. I got questions. Now, I don't. Who are you? Who are you conspiring with right now, man? Right, Jesse Ventura. That's a big question. Who are you conspiring with to kind of get a one up on 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 Rip Thomas, dude? Because I'm, 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 I'm just trying to, you know, go through my day and do the right thing. But all of a sudden, you're trying to sneak pins on me, brother. <laughs> and you know, like when I'm not prepared and I, I don't have, there's no referee here, so I'm, I'm just a little, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a little weirded out by this because, you know, I thought I could trust you, mm-hmm. and right now, what you're proving to me is that I can't trust you because you're going to try to sneak up behind me. And behind my back, and you're gonna try to pin me, dude. You know what the fuck? <laughs> Every second that passes, her desire for him drains like sands in an hourglass out the bottom of her, you know, parts. It's just mm. like she's losing all interest in this guy. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's a great moment. It's one of the few times you'll see someone roll on top of Terry, and he doesn't kick out and go hoof. Yeah. So. Or paranoid because he kind of likes it. He gets a little, right. a little hard on there. Of course, her immediate thought is that he did it on purpose and is going to try to take advantage of her, so she swings at him. <laughs> she swings at yeah. Rip Thomas, and he catches her hand, and he says, hey, chill out. The bed broke. With that kind of timber I, I in his love, voice. Uh, he says, you know, we wouldn't have this problem if you'd stay on your side of the bed. That's right. Hey, chill out. The bed broke. He says, right, and he says it to her like, the bed broke. Like, I'm not kidding around. I'll fuck you up. We wouldn't have this problem if you'd stay on your side of the bed. How dare you? Hey, chill out. Hey, you know what? You 
you want to challenge me on this? I will fuck you up. <laughs> right. You think I'm interested in you romantically? I'm not afraid. Look, I'm not afraid of doing two things to you. Fucking you and fucking you up. <laughs> that would be a memorable line in the movie. So he yeah. said, she goes, save it, Rip. I'm not one of your ditzy groupies. And then he gets <laughs> up. And he holds the blanket. Goes, you don't need this. You built bigger walls than I ever could. She's not making herself emotionally available to Rip. That's what it's we're getting we want, here. We want emotional characters. That's right. That's what it is. We like we like emotion and arcs and uh, change transitions. I feel so bad for him. He's misunderstood. He tried to be gentlemanly. He tried to be, you know, a knight in shining armor, really. He also tried to take a flat back bump on a bed. <laughs> yeah, but that was just, you know, his his clumsiness. He didn't mean anything by it. He ha He's a man right. of valor. He's, you know, he's just, he's just trying to be a fraud. A fraud. <laughs> and he's succeeding. But chivalry is not dead. That's what Rip Thomas wants us to know. But Samantha just doesn't believe it. Samantha Moore doesn't believe it. So he says to her, there's a couch in the lobby that has a better sense of humor than you do. And, uh, yeah, he's going to go sleep in the couch in the lobby. That's what he's going to do. Okay, great. So he leaves yeah, the hotel. Yeah, well, the <laughs> Oh, dude, I can't really fall, you know, I can't go here because... You know, the thing is, other people could try to pin me, so I think you should go out in the lobby <laughs> and lay down on the couch there, brother. Because if you get raped, that's that happens. Oh, come on, ref. Get in there. Get in there. Speaking of which, Hogan walks in his slippers out to the lobby, sees the couch, sees the automatic sliding door. It's the middle of the night, so it's not like anybody's coming in. There's a lone desk clerk there kind of twiddling her thumbs, doing a crossword at the check-in desk. He sizes up the situation. And what does he go and ask the uh, the check-in clerk before turning in for the night? What? Some, is there anything that can be done about how wide open this space is, brother? <laughs> can we, like, maybe lock the door? Oh. <laughs> you know, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, Good start. Good start. He doesn't introduce himself. He, he just like, walks right up to her and starts talking. It's like, She's not even looking like, up you yet. Know, but also, like you know, he realizes that what he's asking for is so stupid. <laughs> or like, you know, in, in somebody else's mind, like he understands that. But he's like, well, um, so, uh, you know, um, so is there any way to like, you know, kind of, I'm, I'm going to sleep on the couch here, brother, you know, for tonight. Um just some weird things going on in my room right now, dude. So what I was thinking is, is it possible for me to kind of isolate this couch so that nobody can come in? You know, I, I'm just a, well, sir, what, do, what is it that you're concerned about? Well, um, <laughs> you know, uh, what it is, is, uh, you know, strangers come in, you know, sometimes people want to get a room and stuff like that. But if they see if they see me lying down here, you know, I, I'm, I'm just afraid that someone might try to get a pin on me. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Sir, a, she's a looking pin. over her glasses. A, a, a pin? Are you, 
like like are you are you a seamstress or something? No, like um a pin fall, you know what I mean? Did you drop a pin? Like bowling I don't pin? understand. What uh, Wow, no what 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 um Look, I'm I'm <laughs> No, no, what I'm, what I'm, look, I'm, um, so, <laughs> if I'm, if I end up, mm-hmm. you know, I toss and turn when I sleep, sometimes I end up on my back, and, and what I'm concerned about is somebody, you know, coming over on top of me and, and pinning me for, for one, two, three, dude, you know? Is there any way we can avoid that? Well, sir, if you're that cons- if you're that concerned about it, fine. We'll move the couch. So then they move the couch. They get the maintenance guy to come up. The janitor comes in. They move the couch to a spot in the lobby where there's n- where no public can access. Hogan lays down. He feels content. He lays down in the bed. He pulls the sheets up to his chin, and then his eyes open. He goes, "Wait a minute, that was too easy." <laughs> and he gets out of the bed and he goes back Wait. out to the lobby. And what does Wait. he say? <laughs> Who's that guy? Who- <laughs> You know, like, I, this just happened a little too smooth for me. I, have you been talking to him? <laughs> have Does you he... been talking to him? Like, it, like he's talking to his teenage daughter, reading her text messages. <laughs> Sir, I don't, I don't know who that, he's just one of the workers, you know, he does the, we, we call him in and he brings things. Well, what's his name, dude? Do you know what his name is? I, I don't. I, I mean, we have so many people who do this. I don't. I. I work the front desk. I don't really know everybody who works here. If they don't work behind the front desk, I'm sorry. What? Well, but it's he. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to put everything together. <laughs> I'm just trying to put everything together. I just, I think that my request, you know, I, I, I'm the first to admit that my request was a little bit, you know, kind of out of left field. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and and yes. this guy just kind of, and and you too also just kind of. Seemed a little too eager to help. A little too easy to help, you know, right, brother. Right. I mean, I, I didn't have to really convince you to do anything. Um, well, sir, it is two in the morning and I really don't care about, I just, I want you to be comfortable as, you know, you are a guest here and it's my, it's my job. It is my job to make sure that all of our guests are comfortable. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um. I just don't. Mm, mm, <laughs> just. Do, why are you so concerned with me being comfortable, dude? It's the question that I have for you right now. Why is it important that I'm comfortable? Well, sir, you asked for something. <laughs> you asked for this. I don't understand what I'm, I'm, I'm... Do you want it to be brought back? Yeah, you know what, dude? I do want to be brought back. <laughs> I want you to do it again, but with somebody else. I don't trust him. I don't trust you, brother. I want to pick the person who moves the sofa over to that private area. Hulk, Rip Thomas, dude, does not just allow anybody to move a couch, dude. 
I want to move the couch, brother. I want to assign the person who moves the couch. Sir, if it means that much to you, you can move the couch. Oh, don't you. Are you so, so now you're making – no, no. See, this is it. You can't make the plans for me, dude. That's the way I know that – I don't trust you, dude. I, you picked some guy <laughs> who wants to come and roll me up from behind, dude. Roll you up? <laughs> he, he finally just says what's on it. He finally just says what he suspects. You know, that's what's great is he nibbles around the edges. Like he doesn't. He almost has a little bit of self consciousness about coming out and <laughs> saying what he. And then eventually he just says it. Oh, I love it. That's great. Well, that resolves itself when he goes back to the room, as we'll talk about now. So we cut from Hoke saying, I'm asleep in the lobby, to Kurt Fuller saying, God save me from conniving females. You canceled the room out from under me. I can, and you can't. You just can't. When I asked you to seduce him, he's screaming at Samantha. You just can't. Now you've got the hots for him. I can't. I can't. I can't. Kurt is biting her. He says, I gave your agency more business than you've ever had, and this is how you repay me, by failing to deliver on seducing Rip? She goes, he's a nice guy. Kurt Fuller goes, I eat nice guys for breakfast. breakfast. She goes, not with my help, you don't. And then, bam! He nails her. He slaps her right in the face, because this is 1989. Really a nice guy. I eat nice guys for breakfast. Not with my help. And she hits the floor. Fuller clutches the door, turns comically, and looks back at everybody who's just disturbed and can't even meet his gaze. And he is just maniacal in his facial expressions and his wide-eyedness. And everyone's disturbed by what... It's so funny because even even at the times he's been the, the worst... Yep. He's never been a guy like where he Kurt Fuller is just not an abusive person, at least like Right, right. You know, not like this. I, I've seen him play a multitude of roles where he always he he plays a bad guy constantly. I've seen him play even a um he played a uh, uh a dirty priest on Boston Legal in a guest spot. Oh yeah, episode. yeah, yeah. And like but the physical stuff, like him being this outright mean, mm-hmm. I think he plays great creepy. I think he can play great evil and yep. manipulative. Yep. But this just like downright yelling, screaming, and physically abusive is just very weird. Does not play well. Interesting. Interesting to hear you say that. Yeah. it It's, it's kind of like... um. It seems almost like an unnecessary escalation of the deviousness of this character. You know, it's like he suddenly has gone from someone trying to just uh, bald-facedly manipulate his way to money to somebody who's, like, going to slap a woman in the face. It's like it almost seems like a shortcut. You know, it almost seems like they weren't convinced that they had built built him up to be hateable enough just on their guile alone and his guile alone that they had to just... It's like if if you want him to be this bad of a guy, just have him slap her in the beginning of the movie. We'll hate him for the rest right. of the time. Anyway, she he's he's deeply unsatisfied with what he expected from her, and uh, everyone is disturbed. We cut now to Samantha seeking out um, Rip's uh, uh, understanding embrace. She says, "I let him use me. Did Brawl do this?" As he looks at the bruise on her face, and he says, "I forgive you, Sam. Forgive her for what? I mean, she." 
uh, then he puts his hand to her chin and she says the hotel is sending a bill for breaking no he says the hotel is sending a bill for breaking the bed and she laughs <laughs> so he's calming her down at this time of tremendous right. trauma and um you know Hulk's shirt is cut into a million pieces i mean you've never seen a shirt so pointlessly mangled yep. as the one he's wearing and he says man i can't believe you and she, and she comes up she says that to him she says i pour my heart out to you and you're making a big joke about it she keeps shoving him backwards and backwards but she's playfully shoving him he's smiling about this performance she's putting on and uh, finally she shoves him down onto the couch and he pulls her in tickles her a little bit not an not an arm lock a lip lock brother <laughs> and um they stop they they do a really brief kiss there's not much to it but you know you now know it's consummated you now know right. they're, they're an item and while they're getting into it, on the television pops Zeus. He's doing a TV interview. And Hogan sits up at the sound of his voice. And they have Zeus on the TV saying he's been called both the killer and the thriller. Rip, rip. I know you're out there. And I'm waiting for you. This is mm. a challenge. And he growls. And now, uh, yeah, we cut from Hogan seeing that challenge and meeting that challenge with his eyes. And you can tell it's on to an outdoor festival where people are racing and having fun and Hogan's out there doing yeah. charity and he's standing on an amateur oh wrestling God. mat and he's telling these youngins, give it your best. The best shot, that's the way to compete. You're both winners. He's reading like this script for like Saturday morning public service announcements to these kids. It's awful. It really is so stupid. And um, he lifts these two kids up and he's, you know, Mr. Man of the Community here. Yep. Suddenly we hear a helicopter above and Hogan knows a lot about rallying children yes, around a does. helicopter. Yes, he does. And the chopper lowers, it lands, dust kicked up, and out steps Zeus in full gimmick at this carnival. He gets out of the helicopter to confront Hulk Hogan. He goes slow-mo, the propeller is spinning slow-mo in the background on the copter. Hogan is holding all the kiddos back, this wall of support that he has. Hush whispers as Zeus approaches Rip. All kinds of TV cameras were there, apparently. Thank, I, thank, thank, God, thank God they were there to catch this. Absolutely. And um, they face off. They hit that music that sounds like the Sid Justice theme. I remember this being pretty intense when I watched this movie. Um, like, finally... <laughs> like, Hogan had been portrayed for quite a while in this movie. Probably 40 straight minutes is, like, kind of soft and sentimental and gooey. And the... the, the, uh, the Eye of the Tiger comes back out again as he goes face-to-face -face with Zeus, but he's also still a little intimidated. There's still a certain degree of sure. reticence that he's getting sure. across. I think he's really worried that there's going to be an ugly scene in front of all these kids. Right. So Fuller is there as well, and he says, Rip refused the challenge. He backed down from Zeus. So right in Hogan's face, he lifts Zeus' arm and says, Zeus, the undisputed champion of the world, and they start booing him. And all of these kids are like getting on his back he's going to get back on the copter, uh, Zeus is, and Hogan holds the kids back as it starts to rise, and he's looking up with his hair blowing from the helicopter wind, and uh, he hears the voiceover of his trainer saying, Rip, you can't step stoop to his level. These kids are counting on you doing the right thing, and you have to do it. Everybody thinks I back down, he says to his trainer. Yeah. But he says, you did the, this is like a heart-to-heart -heart him and his trainer are having back at the house. You did the right thing. I was proud of you. I am very proud of you. And Samantha okay, gets okay. out of her Corvette with an armful of crap trying to press a button. Oh, my God. And uh, she's this in a parking scene. garage. Yeah. It's time to up the ante even more. 
She's in a parking garage somewhere. She's busy with business stuff, you can tell. But she can't get the fucking elevator to work or whatever it is. And then she gets attacked. She yeah. gets attacked and she gets attacked by a guy who snatches her and says the, the dialogue is, and I quote, Mr. Brell says it's party time. He's going to rape right. her. He's, He's going to rape her. He's going to fuck her right there. I think Mr. Brell says it's party time was voiced by Howard Finkel. <laughs> I think so, if you listen closely. Mr. So, Brell says it's party time. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that's kind of what gave it away. <laughs> was that particular emphasis at the end. So we cut somewhere not too far away. I mean, um, it doesn't matter if it's not too far away. It's the fact that he's there at all. Rip is just there. You're talking about this or you're talking about the yeah, guy he, watching? No, Rip. Yeah. Rip. Yeah, he's there. Rip is there riding his, bi- riding his bicycle, his motorcycle. Yeah. He's on a fucking motorcycle. Yeah. And he's, you know, again, thank God he's coming to Samantha's, I guess, to get some more, you know, get some more. Uh, get, get another fucking, taste, you know, as it were. Taste that ass. So he shows up, and this rapist has Samantha on the ground in the parking garage, and he's between her legs, like he's basically in her guard. He's about to do God knows what. He's ready. When Hogan pulls in, uh, he runs away. She's on the floor crying. He accelerates um, and um, finally cuts this this guy off on his bike and nails him. Uh, He's got Rip him on his license plate, by the way. And thank God he was able to get his cock in back into his pants before Rip grabbed him. Yeah, Yeah, he didn't quite. I don't don't know how far advanced. I don't know how far advanced the uh, attempt was, but um, finally Hogan hooks him up to the front of his motorcycle. Um, I like the idea. Here's this guy. Here's this TV executive. He's angry at somebody, so he says, I want you to go to the parking lot where she lives (laughs) and rape her. Yeah. That'll teach him. That's the mission. Yeah. Yep. That's what's happening here, but he cuts him off. And he charges him on the bike, and then the front of the bike gets right up underneath the guy's ass from behind. So he's flying with the guy attached to the front of the bike. And then he hits the brakes, and the guy, across five lanes of traffic, he hits the brakes. The guy goes flying into a tree in a park across the street and gets knocked out. Presumably he's dead. And uh, we cut to the other guy who (coughs) is waiting with the getaway car. His jaw drops, and he takes off. Hogan goes back to her. Samantha, she's sitting there traumatized, Hogan in with the big hug, and he says, God, I hate it when you're hurt or scared. (laughs) Just so, uh, I don't know. He's kind of like, it's kind of the same thing you'd say to her if she fell off her bike. Right. So it's kind of not impressive. Um, Anyway. Try again. And and after he says that, she goes, I know. (laughs) And then they cut to two guys walking through this industrial wasteland with the sparks everywhere, and Zeus is grunting again like he's on the toilet. And we now see him. Um, he's got an iron bar, and this yep. this time uh, Rip's brother is watching on, saying, get a load of that guy, and Zeus what is What are punch- you doing there, man? What the I fuck are you doing home. there? Jesus. So Zeus is punching this fat guy over and over again, giant Gustav, who was actually a a wrestler out of Montreal who wrestled for Joe Savoldi's ICW in the early 80s and a couple of other uh, leagues, but wasn't really a high-profile mm. name. Uh, the brother is kind of sullen at the sight of Zeus destroying this guy and the fact that his brother uh, might have to face him one day. Zeus is striking his own neck, as he used to do most of the time, and running off spectators like Brody clearing the stands at Budokan. 
And uh, here comes Kurt Fuller, and uh, <laughs> he comes over and yeah. goes to see Rip's brother. And uh, they say Zeus is converting Rip fans. That's what I like to see to the brother, he says. Uh, and he says, we are, it's actually the brother's uh, friend, says, we are not Zeus fans. Yeah, that's right, Rip's his brother. And then when he says that, Fuller doesn't realize this. He thinks that these are just a couple of Zeus marks. And when he realizes that this kid, this blonde kid that's looking at him is Zeus's brother, he stops cold. Right. Gets a look on his face and says, my, my, what an honor. And then there are these cops that show up who hassle these guys to wherever Fuller asks them to take them. (laughs) Maybe they're just private security, but whoever they are, they basically agree to help Kurt Fuller kidnap these two and bring them over. Uh, to wherever right. Fuller wants. There's sparks flying everywhere. And, um, yeah, I think I saw Easy e in the background at one point. <laughs> uh, Zeus with a shout-out to his Compton friends here to get this, get the film credits in. Uh, Fuller tells Zeus, a great show. Pulls in Rip's brother and says, guess who this is? And he says, what's your name, kid? And then he backhands him. In the face. I mean, come on. This is Vince. <laughs> yes. Randy, Randy, his friend says, Randy and and Rip. Isn't that cute, Zeus? Randy and Rip. He says, hey, kid, I bet uh, you feel pretty good. Oh, he says, I, I bet you and you let yourself feel pretty good, huh? Whatever the fuck he says. I don't know. I, don't, I didn't write it all. I just kind of yeah, fucking yeah. worried about the visuals here of As this fucking should. scene. Jesus. He says, "Your brother uh, Zeus says your brother's yellow, and I'm going to kill him." Right hand by Zeus, and uh, Fuller shoves the friend. Zeus starts squealing like mankind with his hands on the throat of the, of the brother. He's got him in a goozle. The brother breaks free. Tumb- the brother's got some skills. Pellegrino here. He yep. tumbles backward, breaks free, ducks, but eats a back ha- a backhand from Zeus. Kicks him in the ribs, and then he's dead with a bruised eye on the floor. We pan up on Fuller, and Fuller looks to Zeus, and here we go. Zeus is going to erupt again, and he goes, <laughs> ah! <laughs> it's freaking out again. Nah. Um, we go back to Hogan. Um, let's see what's happening here. He is in Zeus's gym. He is so um, incensed by what Zeus has done to his brother. Somehow word travels back that he is showing up to Zeus's gym and he's going to find this guy. It's empty, but there's Zeus paraphernalia all over the walls. It's clearly where Zeus trains. There's music going off. He smashes the speaker that was playing the music in the gym. We see that the Zeus ring is decorated with actually a pretty cool-looking Zeus apron. He rips that thing off. And all the whole time in Zeus's gym, Kurt Fuller is on loop on a television screen saying over and over again things like, you know... Rip thinks the worms are too good for you, Zeus. And he's just, like, trying to motivate him. Um, and somehow, uh, Kurt Fuller has a feed, a live camera feed into this gym. So he's a, he's elsewhere. He's off-site, but he can tell Rip is in there, and he's laughing at him through the speakers. Apparently, not only can he see in the gym, he can communicate to Zeus in the gym, which is basically what Triple H can do now to the Performance Center from Stanford. He can sit there... <laughs> sit there, watch the monitor, and talk to them uh, down in Florida. So that's where he gets the idea from, is no holds barred, clearly. He says, the Rip says, the maggots will gnaw away at your rotted flesh, so what are you going to do about it, Zeus? 
So, yeah, Rip is uh, freaking out, looking for the Nest camera. He kicks open the door, and there's a... Seriously is, right? Looking you know what I mean? Nest it's like those TV news stories about people hacking the Nest camera and talking to people in their own homes. So, naturally, I mean, Zeus, being the high-caliber athlete he is, has a room full of mirrors in the back. Oh, and, um, and uh, you know, and, and, and uh, Rip goes in, he thinks he sees Zeus in the mirror. Yes. But it's only a projection. So that's how the warrior did it, huh? <laughs> I know. It's, it's the callback, yes. Yes, there's a projector behind one of the mirrors showing an image of Zeus. And somehow Hogan thinks there's a real chance at Zeus, even though he's not moving. It's just a, a still image of him that's projected. And so he goes and does a double axe handle, an axe bomber, and smashes the mirror, mirror sl to slitherings, later claiming uh, that he actually sliced his arm open in real life here. Oh, my and, God. What a fucking idiot. And when he does that and the glass falls, he sees the shining light of the projector and realizes that's what it was. And they're all laughing and cackling at him over the uh, loudspeakers. And um, they say, sort of like an egg hunt, isn't it, Rip? And uh, he rips a poster off the wall. They're all watching it. And they, one of his goons says to Kurt Fuller, it's a privilege and a thrill to watch a genius at work. Hogan now eyes the big neon light Z on the wall of the gym and launches a uh, hand weight at it. And that smashes and starts sparking, and they laugh even more heartily back at the studio. And you know that feeling when people are laughing at you when you're trying to express frustration? That's what yep. is happening to Hogan right now. He rips an apron off the ring. He kicks over a TV. He looks to the camera, and I'll never forget this scene. I will never forget this scene. Yes. He finds a way to shut them up. He picks up a barbell, <laughs> aims it like a javelin, and with the highest degree of precision in the history of cinema, <laughs> he launches this thing across the room and the perfect circumference of the edge of this um, weight bar smashes clean into the circular lens of the surveillance camera. He's very good. He's very, very good, good. Very good. He lances it. And back in the studio, Kurt Fuller and company jump back as if the thing's going to smash through the television and right. in the head. It's like, you guys planted the camera, for mm -hmm. fuck's sake. So Hulk, shut, Hulk shuts them up there, and they just sit there, watch static on the TV, instead of acknowledge that he found a way to shut them up. We then cut to Randy, his brother, all cut up in a neck brace. And yeah, he's boss. He looks like he's about to stand trial for steroid distribution. <laughs> Hogan is at his bedside like it's Brutus yep. after the parasailing accident. Totally is. He says, uh, I know you stood up to Zeus, man. I'm proud of you, he says to Randy. And he says, now it's my turn. And um, the eyes open as Hogan uh, in a ludicrous outfit in a hospital. I mean, he's got drawstrings across his chest. He's got the bandana on. He's got weight gloves on really in the fucking bad. hospital. Whatever. Um, this is the scene where he gets emotional. The tear flows, and he kisses the hand of his uh, nearly dead brother there in the hospital and pledges revenge. And, uh, yes, um, Samantha and Hulk's trainer are sleeping in Randy's room to, you know, bed watch. And uh, suddenly Randy opens his eyes. He has an IV in his arm, and Hogan starts crying. Randy's crying as he looks to Hogan and realizes oh he's there God. at his bedside. Hogan grabs the hand and holds it to his face with the tears running down his brother's hand, that is. And we have our emotional backdrop. We do. And here we go, we main have, event time. We have our emotional characters. <laughs> main event time and no holds barred. We cut to the arena. Um, 
You've got Kurt Fuller right in the center, <laughs> saying two weeks from tonight, WTN. Did he ever? Present. Did he ever officially accept the uh, the the offer, the match? We're supposed to assume he did after mm. having that bedside moment with his brother Randy. I see. Well, Kurt I didn't Fuller hear it. says uh, we'll present the most important sporting event of our time, and we cut to Zeus. Of course, how do you train for a match like this? You hang cinder blocks in your gym and you punch through them. That's <laughs> right. One at a time. Good thing he'd been break his hands. That would have been huh? catastrophic. Learn that from the Rocky movies. That's right. That's right. And, uh, yeah, they show Hogan, instead of training, like Zeus is able to do for the match, he's helping his brother Randy get back on his feet and learn how to walk again after being paralyzed by Zeus. So, speaking of Rocky, right, the idea that he's not yeah. minding training and is about yeah. to get upset by Clubber Lang. So, rip him, little brother. He's helping him stand yeah. up. He's, right. um, the, they show Kurt Fuller again saying to, to Zeus, the worms, are, he says the worms are too good for you, Zeus. And Hogan is helping his brother rehab the leg. I don't and know the, what that means. I don't know what it means either. The uh, worms are too good for you, Like Zeus. the worms that would crawl on your carcass in your coffin when you're buried is what I suppose he's uh-huh. referencing. Of course, Hogan is helping Randy recover in his zebra-striped Zubaz pants. Come on. Uh, trying to help him walk. And um, this, the guy asks, what if Rip wins? No more Mr. Tough Guy? This is some one of uh, the advisors from the board to uh, Kurt Fuller. And Fuller says, it, Rip it's... will not win this fight. Trust me. Okay. Fixes it. Again, obviously you've never seen a Hogan match. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now Fuller's also manipulating the elevator at the arena. The night of the fight, he's got some grand plan, and you can tell he's making sure that the elevator people know their roles in that regard. So we cut to the exterior of the arena on fight night. There's spotlights mm. shining up everywhere. Uh, one of them provided by Sky Tracker, um, area That's code nice. 404. <laughs> so it must have been a Georgia contractor for wow. special event lighting. What do you know? And uh, Sam arrives with Randy in the wheelchair to the arena. They're all dressed to the nines. And uh, we cut to Hulk in the locker room, looking at himself in the mirror with his trainer, and he just says, it just doesn't feel right without Randy here. They'll be here. They'll all be here, Rip is assured. Into the elevator they come, uh, Sam and company. They press the button to take the elevator to the studio where the matches are going to happen. Um, Randy's wheeled out of the elevator in his wheelchair, and at that point, two cops, apparently cops, oh grab Samantha and back her into the elevator, leaving Randy abandoned. This poor woman. I know. She's always getting... This it's... poor woman. <laughs> You know, again, like... She's never going to be able to leave the house again. You know, she... <laughs> if this happened to a woman, again, she would never come out in public for right. like years. And, and not only that, but she fucking... You know, uh, uh, um, she's been slapped, humiliated by her boss. Yeah. Fucking, uh, you know, attempted... Yep. Attempted rape. Mm-hmm. Now she's being abducted. And she just bounces back from every single one of them. Like, that's just... She's a woman. Some of the, She's some of the curve balls way. life right throws your you way. Know, she doesn't understand what men go through. <laughs> yeah, you know he told himself something like that. So the elevator closes, and uh, Randy he can't turn around. He's in a wheelchair. He just screams with his back to her. What the hell's going on? And Sam is brought into the watch what room the hell with the is goons. Going on? Yeah, I'm, I'm with Randy on that. Sam is brought into the watch room with the Stooges and all the goons, and they tell her, "I thought you might be more comfortable watching Zeus mutilate your boyfriend from up here." Uh, the phone call is made to Brell. They let him know that the elevator operation works just fine, and he just replies, fine. <laughs> I'm like, you know, the way they kept talking about this elevator thing, I'm thinking it's going to be some kind of 
you know, gimmicked elevator, but it's just a, no, a just fucking a, stunt. A plan to abduct her, yeah. Plan to right. abduct her. It's fucking stupid. Brell calls Rip in the um in his dressing room and tells him, Listen, make it good for ten minutes. Then you go down and you stay down. Or you'll be pushing matching wheelchairs. And uh Hogan hangs up. <coughs> he turns to Randy and says, You've got ten minutes to find Samantha. Move. Because he's not throwing this match. Back in the ring, the ref is checking the corners and the saran wrap turnbuckles. The announcers are in position, and it's kind of a small, intimate studio setting. It looks like a fucking global taping, is what it looks yeah, like. Yeah, I mean, it. I mean, that that's being generous. Yeah, more like a WCW Pro taping, uh, or right. worldwide taping. So it's a, uh, everyone's wearing suits and ties and dressed to the nines. It's a very adult crowd. This isn't your typical. You know, WWF kids crowd that we saw Hogan in the very beginning of the show, and um, no, this is definitely like what up uh, up like Vern Gagne's alley. Absolutely, and now the World Television Network proudly presents a brutal, unconventional contest—a no holds barred, no quarter given fight to the finish. We get an extra tight shot um, of that gorgeous winged eagle white leather championship yes. that Hogan's wearing, and it's t- it's go time. Ladies and gentlemen, the World Wrestling Federation heavyweight champion, Rip. And Rip's eyes twitch, and he makes the walk, and he turns to Randy, who's standing there at ringside or sitting there at ringside. I just don't understand why it is that the that the champion has to come <laughs> down first. Now, I'm not a big fan of, of Hulk Hogan or Rip Thomas as it is, but you're telling me that the champion comes down first? I think that's a boatload of bullshit. Yeah, thanks, Jesse. He was, so yeah, he suddenly reappears in the movie. <laughs> oh, fuck yourself. Cut. So uh, Hulk exchanged the Rip'em sign with his brother, and he's being wheeled around. Kurt Fuller is watching from behind this strange plexiglass. Thomas Wright, you're a piece of shit. Yes. All right, I've seen a lot of filmmakers. I've worked with Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yep. I am a big movie star outside of the wrestling business. And what you're doing right now is making a mockery of everything. You are making a mockery of your life. You're a fucking <laughs> asshole. You're making a mockery of your life, Tom Wright. Good luck recovering from that burn. All right. So for some reason, Kurt Fuller is watching the match from a plexiglass enclosure uh, way up high above with all the TV equipment in it. It would be the commentary booth. Like it's a there's a million things that should be going on and and none of them is Kurt Fuller. You know, they. Every right. now and then we'll give us a glimpse of the production truck. They'll have a brawl out there, and we'll see yeah. the, the truck trailer full of television monitors and all the sound and TV equipment. They have all that in plain view through plexiglass inside the arena, and Kurt Fuller is standing. Right. Kurt Fuller's, like, standing right there. like At it's, the helm. Yes. Yeah. Not even at the helm. He's just standing in the room. It's like a... <laughs> It's like a fucking server room, you know? Right. Yeah, it Essentially. is. Essentially. Like, there's like no closet. reason that this room should exist with Kurt Fuller in it and empty. Like, there should be a lot of engineers and shit making sure all this stuff, you know, doesn't fall <laughs> apart. Fuller glances up at the clock. It shows 9.04, and he's laughing, and Hogan nods to him like he gets it. I've got 10 minutes from here to make it look good and throw the, the match. And then there's a Paul cast over the arena. And here comes the stomp-stomp of the gimmicked platformed shoes of Tiny Lister with the sun-reflective shoulder pads. Security is focused in, um, meanwhile, on the match, watching on 
the television monitors while Sam Moore looks around for an opportunity to escape where she's been abducted. Zeus has mm-hmm. the shoulder pads removed, rips off his headband in one thrust, and there's metal noises, and he steps into the ring. And the announcer points to him and says, the thriller, the killer, and bam, the announcer is decked by Zeus before he can get his last line I know, out. It's hilarious. Before you can even introduce the fucking guy, he's out. The clock reads 9.06 p.m. and the bell sounds. Hulk, Hogan, Rip Thomas, and Zeus come face to face. What I want to know is, what was the undercard? (laughs) I know. All these people showed up for one match. Main event's going on at 9.06. I want to know what happened at 8 and 7 o'clock. I could believe it. It's a tournament final. I could buy it for a dollar. So there's a knee to the groin, and we cut... Uh, to Fuller savoring the fact that Zeus went <laughs> low on Rip right out of the gate and says, gee, I wonder if he felt that. Hogan uh, is now knocked down. Zeus uh, takes off Hogan's WWF championship belt and smacks him with it. He's choking him with his shirt. And Fuller screaming from the rafters, come on, get him, you wimp. Um, I felt really um, scared for Hulk Hogan as a kid watching this movie. Uh, really? Yeah, because I felt like even if he could fight back, he's not going to because of this proposition. So I'm just watching him get slaughtered with no chance of a comeback. Mm. So this kind of sold me on the whole idea of the psychology. I mean, also, where's the, um, you know, where are the abduction charges and the kidnapping charges? There's a and lot the of impersonating a police officer charges. You know, there's a lot of illegal activity going on at this, at this TV station. Like it, it will come to light. It will come to light. You know, Stockholders will be made aware. Especially because he's not necessarily, you know, Fuller's not necessarily covering his bases here. He's no, being very, very sloppy. Nor is he being nor is he being subtle about it. He's being very vocal. Very true. You know, it, it's like he's going to get caught, and I'm surprised he didn't get arrested before the fight even happened, mm-hmm. given that he's been on TV associated with a known killer. Right. And a man who has killed on live television. <laughs> You know, like no consequences as a result. Right. Yeah. The, there's all sorts of illegal activity going on right in front of the public's eyes. Zeus so. stomps, rips hands, throws him, sternum first into the corner, and those silver buckles uh, reaches out. Rip does for Randy, who's seated at ringside, like he's going to give him power, oh and all and, Ray uh, can say is, "Come on, Rip." You know, you know what he says? What? You know what he says? Come on, Rip. Try. Come on, Rip. Try. Randy. Come on, Rip. Try. What a fucking asshole. That's great coaching. Like, we'll have like, Edmund Tverdian out there with I him. I mean, because because basically what he's implying is that Rip. I mean, you know, granted, he doesn't understand the circumstances of Samantha. Yeah. But what a fucking comment to say. Well, like, stop dicking around and try already. And try. I think try. it's kind of weird because maybe it's that Randy is realizing that. Rip isn't fighting as he normally would, and it's because of this agreement to protect Samantha with Kurt Fuller. So maybe he's saying try because it doesn't look like you're trying. You always look like you're trying, and here you're not. I don't know, man. Yeah, that's what I, think, I, think it's, I think it's bullshit. I uh, think, I think uh, Randy's a little shithead. It certainly is bullshit. A little crippled bitch. In the second part we can debate, but not that much. <laughs> so back in the studio, Sam sees her opportunity because they're so transfixed on the match. She makes her move. Uh, one... I love that. I love the match is so exciting that, that, that guys yeah. can't do their job. I can see that. The world stops. Um, so one of the cops gets up and sends his chair wheeling back uh, into Samantha now that she's standing and trying to make a go for it. And she cleverly eases the chair silently right back into position as the cop 
retakes his seat so he doesn't notice anything's amiss. Um, back in the ring, there's a goozle by Zeus. He lifts Hogan up in the air and drops him down to the canvas. We're now at 9.07 p.m., and uh, Hogan's saying, hoof. And when he sees it's 9.07, he senses the chance for a comeback. Mm. And Hogan starts unloading with right hands. And... Um, as so Hogan. wrestling's a work. So wrestling's a work. That's so wrestling, a... wrestling in this movie can't decide what it is. Right. So wrestling is something that's very real and very dangerous, yet somebody yeah. in Hulk Hogan's position can count on being able to absorb punishment and not be irreparably damaged uh, such that he can make the comeback whenever he wants to flip the switch. And Kurt Fuller's telling him to lay down. Telling so. him to lay down. <laughs> So as soon as Hogan starts coming back, one of the cops in the watch room just freaks out and slams his keys on the ground, which creates a noise that is supposed to distract from the noise of the door handle opening him up as Sam is about to leave. Suddenly he casts a glance to his left and notices that she's not in the chair and she is gone. Back uh, to ringside, Randy screaming, come on, Rip, hit him. Fuller starting to pace in his perch there and Hulk lazes them in. Um, and he doesn't budge, but Zeus doesn't budge, but he's not fighting back. Meanwhile, Samantha hits the elevator. The door's open. She runs in, mm-hmm. stops. Security guard grabs the elevator door. She's pressing yes. buttons frantically, trying to get the door to close. And it does. And uh, we go from there. They, I mean, they, it really is the slowest elevator of all time, they, this really elevator. Is. And so they all uh, take the stairs to try to catch her when the elevator finally drops. And she frustratingly watches the red digital uh, floor clock change one after the other. Blarn! Is the noise it makes <laughs> as it switches floors. <laughs> Meanwhile, Zeus catches two punches in the test. A strength breaks out. Both men are shaking uncontrollably. Of course, it's a titanic struggle as Hogan goes through some of the spots for the Warrior match coming up in several months. Yep. Uh, Zeus overpowers him, hits a headbutt in the right hand. We see Sam mashing the buttons on the elevator. The announcer so says, stupid. looks as if this monster Zeus may be ready f- to finish off the challenger. Randy is watching Frozen now. He can't believe what he's seeing. Sam is so frustrated by the elevator, so we're jumping back and forth at all these different scenes. Zeus uh, has Hogan tied up in the ropes now and choking him with the ropes. Finally, the elevator opens, but they immediately are ready for her, having run down the stairs and pounce on Samantha. But the friend Randy and the trainer, um, Charlie... Craig is the friend's name. Craig is the friend's name? Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. They're all there, and they attack. The trainer uh, lays out one of the fake cops with a fire extinguisher shot, no less. So uh, Samantha's free. Zeus unties Rip from the ropes, throws him headfirst into the exposed buckle, and um, they they actually take the trouble of doing an exposed buckle shot, like the moviegoer would notice the difference, right. appreciate the significance of the fact that the turnbuckle That's padding drama. has been removed. Yeah, Exposed buckle. Buckles. Mm-hmm. In our business, pal. I'm expose my buckles right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. So now Zeus is just taking the ring apart, and he fucking rips the iron ring post out of its oh. base. And we see Hogan. He's on the canvas, stirring. He's got blurry eyes. He doesn't know what's coming. He looks over and sees Randy in his neck brace, pouting, screaming, come on, get up, Rip. <laughs> Try. Try. <laughs> that would be my T-shirt. No holes barred, just says try. Come on, try. So Zeus is lifting up this ripped off ring post with its jagged edge, and he's holding it high above Hulk Hogan like the Sword of Damocles, and he sends it rocketing down. Hogan rolls out of the way just in the nick of time, and this fucking post goes right through the canvas, through the ring to the floor. Leaves a big asshole. And um, Sam is saying, somebody stop him. And she glares up at Fuller. And, uh... Let's see. The ref takes a bump. Zeus won't let go of the chokehold yep. or whatever he's got on um, Hogan. He's going for that neck ringer. He is, yes. Yeah, he's going to rip yeah. the head off. Yep. 
So um, he's got the claw on, basically, and he pretends to snap the neck. He steps on Hogan's face. He looks over. He sees Samantha and Randy. Randy's um, straining like he's on the toilet bowl, <laughs> and his pinky moves. Yeah. Randy well, is so... Fuller sees Sam, by the way, too, and he begins to freak the fuck out. Yeah, that's right. Exactly, because that, that shows him that she got one over on him and they weren't able to corral her and so randy is so uh worked up by what's happening even though he's paralyzed in the chair they cut to a tight shot of his pinky managing to move and the trainer says zeus i'll get you zeus and zeus lays out the trainer with a big backhand so much for charlie and (laughs) here's the comeback for charlie after all this distraction because it's a distracting it's it's a wwe match it's all about distractions Zeus comes back over and tries to finish off Rip, looks to stomp on his head, but Rip catches the stomp as it's coming down, and here comes the comeback. He realizes yep. Samantha's there and safe. It's, it's, it's safe now to fight back. He gets up, takes a big right into the ropes, uh, slow-mo with sweat flying everywhere. Mm. Um, Sam get, gets up. The, Randy is about to get in the ring, and she says, leave him alone. Rip, who is ten times sweatier than he was two minutes ago for some reason, hulks well, up. He goes back and forth. From being extremely sweaty to being not sweaty at all. That's the fucking funniest part of this. Oh my God. Yeah. At some point, it's like the end of a Hogan match, and then mm-hmm. other times, like the beginning of a Hogan match. Oh my God. Fuller realizes what's happening and starts screaming, Zeus, no, and freaking his out. His reactions yes. are just on point. <laughs> He's losing his mind. He's going nuts. And this was the magic of Hogan. This made it real to me that he could make the comeback every time I saw him subsequent to this. And he's. Um, Fuller's turning, saying, turn around, you idiot. He's screaming at Zeus to do something, and it's not working. Finally, Zeus paint Hogan, though, cuts him off. He goes, oof. And um, Zeus starts hitting himself, and Fuller is screaming at him. I thought that was a nice touch. Yep. Like, he actually, he, he's so souring on Zeus that he freaks out when he takes some mm-hmm. time to hit himself on the neck, even though yep. when he's dominating, he thinks it's the coolest thing in the fucking yes. world. But now it's like a waste of time and a, and a bad sign. You realize that Fuller's not really pro-Zeus. He's just anti-Rip. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, both punches are caught. We cut to Randy. He's excited about the comeback he's seeing. Hogan hits a headbutt. Right hands and lefts. They love the comeback here. Hogan hauling off like you wouldn't believe. An axe handle to the back and a slam. No, he can't get him. He can't get And Zeus he does the up. Yokozuna style slam where he doesn't really go for the full slam. Right. He's got the two arms cupped around one leg almost. Yeah, it's very weird. And then he looks up and he sees Randy and that's all the inspiration he needs. And you better believe he gets Zeus up into the lights and he slams him to the canvas because this is Hulk Hogan, brother. And this is no holds barred. That's right. Uh, Fuller is beside himself at this point. He knows it's it's going in decidedly the wrong direction. Zeus tries to choke Rip from his knees. Hogan answers. Both are choking each other. Hogan breaks free, rights to the nose. He's back... Um, in the soft focus here on the shot and they show Fuller screaming in the background as Hogan's fighting in the foreground. Hogan with a running start, double axe, knocks Zeus to the floor out of the ring onto the platform. Hogan goes down onto the carpet and grabs Zeus, but Zeus grabs him by the throat. He's still alive. He won't die. He's like a Frankenstein. That he is. Eyes, wa- eyes wide. Moves like it, you know, for sure. Absolutely. Snatches up Hogan and rams him into the steel post, spine first. Randy, come on, Rip, come on, trying to get involved. He falls Try! Out. He, <laughs> try not to fall out of your chair, Randy, but unfortunately that's exactly what he does. He hits the come carpet. Come on, Rip, try! And Stop fucking, you know, lollygogging around. Fucking get to work. What are you doing? <laughs> 
And man, do they pull on the heartstrings when poor Randy yeah. hits the floor. Yeah. And Zeus comes over and kicks Randy right in the ribs, this paralyzed, helpless son of a bitch. Uh, Zeus kicks him. Hogan sees what Zeus did while he's recovering yeah. from his damage and does another hoof. Woof, 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 woof. And follows Zeus up the stairs. I don't know why Zeus was climbing the stairs after kicking Randy, but he was. Why is he running away for? Zeus is just throwing spectators around. He's walking up the staircase and tossing people left and right. And um, Fuller comes out of his little room and screams, Kill him, you dumb son of a bitch! Hogan comes up with rights and lefts. Zeus backhands him and Hogan tumbles over a rail and takes a really big bump out onto the steps. It looks as if Hogan might be out cold. You know, dude, that wasn't for free, brother. Yeah. Yeah, they had to have a whole separate negotiation when it came time to get that stunt done. And uh, people screaming, going nuts, telling him to get up. Zeus turns with his arms up to Fuller, like, look, I just beat him. While Hogan's head peers over the stairs like Vince at WrestleMania 19. He does. I noted that as well. He fucking does. He pulls. That's where Vince got the idea from. Probably. He had it in his back pocket. When uh, you, You're going to tell me he didn't go and watch this movie when he was preparing for the Hogan program? Mm-hmm. To remember how close they he were did. on the set in the months leading up to the steroid trial and everything? My God. So, Zeus, behind him, Hogan trips him, snatches him, pulls him down to the edge of the platform, throws a right hand to his face, smashes his leg down on the edge of the uh, the platform. Fuller's awesome, screaming, come on, yes. hit him. And this is where he goes nuts. Fuller, instead of just screaming and banging, he starts ripping cabling out of the television equipment in frustration. And suddenly, yeah, he takes all of his aggression out on the fucking electrical equipment. Like, what the fuck, dude? I know. Video Link is not happy. There's sparks flying everywhere. He's just trying. He's, he's like a your, kid. Your pay-per-view customers are getting very concerned here. <laughs> yeah. He's like a kid destroying the PlayStation remote when he loses. Right. Right. He's freaking out. And... I've, done I've done that before. Oh, for sure. Um, I get it. I get freaked out like that. Do you do you have the um have you played the uh the the WWE Universe game on no. uh, your phone? No. Man, I get so angry at that game sometimes. <laughs> Fucking screaming at my phone. Very nice. Fucking screaming at it. Well, that's what Kurt uh, Fuller's doing because yep. his charge is not succeeding. Yep. And he's throwing shit everywhere. Come on, fight him. Hit him, fight him. He's just smashing things. Hogan punching Zeus over and over <sighs> again. He punches him in the heart. Hogan punches him in the heart instead of the face. And yep, Zeus we actually sells... get a heart punch on film. Yep. And Zeus sells that one big, clutching his chest. Uh, must be the roids. And uh, Fuller yanks more cords. There's more sparks. And they must not even be on the air now. <laughs> that's, a, that's also problematic. It's a big problems here, man. Hogan lining him up for the finish. And this might be the one that's talked about where Hogan actually broke Zeus's nose with a punch on set. You'll yeah. see... That one of the punches lands and Zeus reacts almost too perfectly in terms of selling, grabbing his nose in a way that was uncharacteristic of the way he responded. Really? Yeah, to all the other punches. So you see that here. He's teetering on the edge of this platform where Kurt Fuller has been. And finally, Hogan uncorks the axe bomber, nails Zeus between the eyes. Yep. Zeus goes timber off the platform, falls all the way into the ring with a big loud roar and crashes to the middle of the mat. All eight posts collapse in on themselves. There's a big smoking hole in the middle of the ring and Zeus lays there defeated and well, dead. Not just defeated. Yeah, I was going to say, more importantly, dead. Like, dead. It seems pretty sh- certain that Rip has killed uh, uh, Zeus. 
and that means there's only one order of business left, one box to check. He turns around and gazes toward Kurt Fuller behind the plexiglass with that hungry look and rip chance breaking out. Fuller backing up. Hogan lifts a chair and smashes it through the glass to gain entry. Fuller says, stay away, you jockass. (laughs) He says it again. Stay away. Stay away, you jockass. Still has it in his back pocket. Where did this term come from? It must have been some mix up that they just ran with. I don't know. My best guess. So he's back. Well, he's an athlete and he's an asshole, so he's a jockass. Could be as simple as that. Quite possible, boss. I don't think so. So Hogan is menacingly backing Kurt Fuller up, up, (laughs) up, until eventually his ass... His ass touches the fucking... Some kind of live wire. And electrocutes the son of a bitch right there in the studio. And Kurt Fuller begins convulsing... Like I imagine he would if he was reaching climax. Yes. So it's not like it's not like it's more it's not like a straight kill for Rip. It's more like an assist. Right. But it's still a kill. It's kind of like when Leonardo on the kid-friendly TV show of the Ninja Turtles, instead of slicing someone with his sword, he'd right. throw his sword into a furnace so that the blasting steam would burn their face. That was right. A, um, so. Yeah, and, you know, to this day, to this day, when I'm trying to conjure up the most comical image of a pathetic man coming, I think of Kurt Fuller's face <laughs> in the scene. Oh, oh <laughs> exactly. So true. Somebody who's, like, desperately pleasuring himself because no one will ever pleasure him. And down goes Kurt Fuller with a trickle of blood out of his mouth, which I totally forgot about until I watched yeah. this movie back, laying kind of face down with his eyes wide, electrocuted on the floor. Another kill for Rip. Hogan looks at him for a second, then darts away, and the crowd explodes. Hogan sees Randy down the steps. Yeah, that's a little dark, too. Yeah, then he just leaves him there. And the crowd fucking erupts that oh. he's dead. And, you know, like, yeah, yeah on, no guys. problem. With the guy who's hosting this event, who presumably they got their VIP seats from, being right. fucking dead on the end of an electrocution. So Randy's down there next to Zeus. Rip goes up next to Randy. And uh, we cut to him. And he goes, woof to a freeze frame and we hit that Jim Johnston special track the title track No Holds Barred for this one of a kind 1989 release we will leave you with the lyrics to No Holds Barred performed by John Joyce and written by Jim Johnson you only learn where you are inside when life gives you the test will you back down Turn and run or stand up with the best. When your back's to the wall, what will your answer be? Will run for the door? Will you run out on me like it's hard? It's no holds barred. Most people only know the easy way. They'll always close their eyes. We'll make the same excuses. Will you buy? Will you buy into their lies? What will you do? What are you born to say? Will you measure up when people make it so hard? with no holds barred. You have to stand your ground when someone's standing in your way. You have to be a stronger man each and every day. I look at you and see what you've been through, and it's all because of me. Brother, you know you made me proud. You gave me something to believe. But it's my turn now. I won't let you down. Gonna make things right. Turn it all around. Love goes far when it's no holds barred. But it's my turn now. I won't let you down. Gonna make things right. Turn it all around. 
love goes far when it's no holds barred. Coming soon to the lapsed fan. Most people, myself included, naively believe that government prosecutors and their investigators are the good guys. Unfortunately, I found this to not always hold true. The co-chairman take you inside the courtroom. Most of us think of professional wrestling as harmless entertainment. The WWF has one of the most comprehensive drug testing, education, and rehabilitation programs in all of sports. I got news for you. You take your vitamins and you say your prayers, but you're never going to grow up to be 300 pounds with 24-inch arms unless you take steroids. We're talking about the single most dangerous group of prescription drugs. Dr. Zohorian is a doctor that went bad and used his medical credentials to sell illegal drugs and was dealing steroids the same way that other people deal cocaine and heroin. I watched the good guys lie to the media, lie to the judge, lie to the jury. A few years ago, some people tried to destroy my father's reputation, but all they did was make my family stronger. On Tuesday, America was attacked, but America is a united nation, and together, we stand strong. I watched the good guys get caught because they tried to pressure my alleged co-conspirator into changing his prior sworn testimony. I'm not a steroid abuser, and I do not use steroids. I watched as the good guys were forced to admit they had destroyed evidence. All the pro wrestlers that I associated with at one time or another used steroids. And I saw the ultimate impact of the truth. The jury acquitted me and the World Wrestling Federation without us even having to put on a defense. You can't lie to children in this country about drugs, that's child abuse. I hate you because you testified against me for the federal government in the trial of my life. The trial of my life. The trial of my life. Twenty-five years later, the trial of his life. There is a proceeding, proceeding announcement. It's a TJ DeSantis production. Its contents is intended for private use only. <laughs> What's that smell? <laughs> 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 <laughs>